Sorry you missed out on the first five hours of conversation. <laughs> but we did finally get into the uh, the podcast studio. Michael is here. Lambert is here. I'm here. And our friend Polly. Which I'm just going to say it is like Cher. No last name. <laughs> but, you know, Polly's the guy you have pizza with. And, uh, and... So on that note, one of the topics of conversation that actually spurred us to get into the uh, the podcast studio was um, sort of reminiscing about um, flavoring, the, <laughs> the flavoring of food, the or f- sitting in flavoring meetings when talking about supplements and and <laughs> realizing you can make anything taste like anything. And so, why the fuck, if you're vegan, do you try to make your food taste like meat? Or vice versa, like if you're keto, why do you try to make everything taste like a treat? Like brownies or yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah, made out of coconut flour. In my head, I was engineering a coconut that produced flour. And I was like, I don't know how that works. <laughs> well, there's some dehydration involved, but yeah. That, that, there seems to be, well, I don't know. That, there's always this like, it's part of you've been told you can't have it yeah therefore i find ways to work around it like i i can't handle somebody telling me i can't do something i can't smoke so i got the patch (laughs) (laughs) but that didn't help with my oral fixation so i got the gum (laughs) and now i'm getting twice the nicotine (laughs) it's way better as long as you're not vaping (laughs) (laughs) i i see that often too like uh, hey as soon as those lithium batteries start going up and you know and it's like a roll of the dice every time you uh you know hit the the vape pen am i I, am i right in 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 thinking that like it's a quality of vape to have more vapor like like because i I saw a kid at the stoplight and it was like a full on, it looked like a fucking microphone that yeah. he's holding. And I was like, is he hitting a bong? Like at the light, that yeah. guy's fucking serious. Yeah. And he, he didn't inhale very long, but what he blew out filled his entire car. And I was like, um, can he see the, when the light goes green, like, what the fuck is going like, on? How is it? How could he possibly be texting right now? You can see your phone through that kind of cloud. My prediction, the next quality of vapor smoke will be like colored vapor smoke i think that's going to be a new thing oh I'm if you can that. exhale a i haven't rainbow. seen it yet yeah yeah like or for pride what months. i imagine it's like a diesel truck when they when they rechip a diesel uh-huh. and so it has like cooler injectors or whatever and it drops black smoke when it downshifts it's like that's how cool i had that <laughs> well like <laughs> that, that when i had the chip set to like three or whatever it was yeah and i got on the freeway once and i looked in the rearview mirror and i went oh fuck i'm that guy Jesus. but in, in people that like diesel guys they're into it they're like yeah fucking drop that particulate smoke. matter yeah <laughs> and then what i think vapor kids would be like yeah did you see all that black smoke that came out like i or like the rainbow colored smoke that i just spewed out i i don't know i don't know anything it's gotta be a calm it. day to keep the rainbow you know one gust and gets all 
mixed up and right. you got the keto guys that that want things to be treats you got vegans that want it to taste like meat mm. and you got vapors that want to be a wizard <laughs> uh, so that guy that was driving around with the flat trailer with the like the mini stonehenge on the back i think he was also the, he was also a wizard <laughs> i have no idea what people are after but it seems like they're confused and i i think it's it's exactly that where there's a self-awareness that's important to know who you truly are, vice who you want to be. Yeah, and it's okay if those two things are different. It, it's probably amazing if those two things are different because that gives you only a, if you can notice that something different. to do. Right, yeah. like that's where now get from point. Yeah, what am I going to do today? Wherever. But where it gets dangerous is when point me is an unknown and worse, a lie. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know who I am. And so I, I think I'm starting on a point in the map that I don't understand. But let's talk, let's just, can we talk for one second about ketogenic <laughs> feeding? Okay. I was gonna say, I was gonna- In a not, in a, in, let's not, let's, in a not fad way, like oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah like the yeah. actual practice of the benefit of, and yeah. we'll. I mean, I won't mock anything. I don't think it because I think there's for, for a five-minute mock freeze. On. There's ap- like, absolutely like, an application <laughs> for it. And here, in, like when exactly. Paul came in, I eat in this particular manner. I was like, yeah, that makes total sense. Beca- and it's fifteen years yeah. ish. Yeah, it's a long time. That is a long time. Mm-hmm. Listen to that, you. <laughs> keto posers <laughs> and I would ask wait like, wait or to drop the Stephen Kotler URL which I think we still have you ketogenic superheroes <laughs> <laughs> Do you, so a, a quick question because um, I can get into the nitty gritty but it, it's probably smart to identify how you eat actually like what is ketogenic for you because that is oh. the key that is different that I think most people don't realize is when I say I eat ketogenic, they're identifying foods that they put in. They're just identifying the food as a ketogenic not, food. Not the outcome. Right. There's a different level of this where it's like I'm describing the outcome of what I eat, which means it's different, right? Absolutely. So uh, the goal of, of eating ketogenic is for your body to completely shift the metabolism. You're giving it a different substrate, so you're changing the chemistry, you're changing the makeup, and you're changing the organic matter of your body. Mm-hmm. So it's it's different than, say, I, I want to eat Adkins or mm-hmm. I, I want to do paleo because those are just different. Eat Adkins, though, you need good shoes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> right? Because isn't, isn't that the problem? In well, the end, or, like or you good slip, clothes, because apparently <laughs> Forever 21 sent out Atkins bars with all of their clothes. I don't know. This just happened, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. Oh. So people, here's what's funny. They sent it to everybody. Only the people that ordered plus sizes got offended. So why did you get offended? If you're comfortable in your skin, like if you feel okay, just be like, cool, a snack, more food. Right. If you're comfortable, 
but you didn't. You were thinking that they were saying something because you projected your own feeling on a company that was just sending you a snack. You didn't know where your point me was. Yeah. Your point me was different than yeah. than what you thought it was. Yeah. yeah. Even and better if just over a size eight or whatever, they're like, you get an Atkins bar. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you take up too much space or you cost us extra money in shipping. Here, like, <laughs> Check this box for recreational outrage. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know I, how that you said something about Adkins shoes. But <laughs> I made this point because um, a, a fairly prominent thinker, uh, Naval, commented the other day about um, uh, ketogenic diet being related to something else that was fatty, uh, fad, not fatty. Although that would be a great irony and pun. The but I had to actually be like, I don't think you understand the difference. It isn't a fat. Like we're not. Uh, arbitrarily assigning importance to something we're looking for physiological markers when we eat in a certain way therefore um if i eat um you know this meat man that's on the ketogenic diet doesn't if it's too much protein for somebody's system that'll actually start producing insulin yeah because too much protein kicks you out of ketogenic ketosis correct it'll turn to carbohydrate in, right. your, in your body eventually yeah so we'll convert we love to convert things to, <laughs> to glucose because we generally need it but you know and it's an inferior way of getting glucose but our body will do it um so the, the idea is that most people that are on a ketogenic diet are actually just eating low carb or they're they're aiming to eliminate carbs and they never actually feel the physiological effects of ketosis which are profoundly different um that, that's where I get picky with people like, oh, I eat keto. And then like, you know, three days out of the week, they're eating pizza. And you're like, I don't think you understand. <laughs> I don't think that you, that word means what you think it means. Yeah. But I also think this is, this is a, a, the, the important distinction is that there are foods eaten in a certain combination mm-hmm. and without the presence of other foods mm-hmm. that produce a particular physiological outcome. Yeah, that is okay. It's not the food. I, I can't sell you the outcome. I can sell you the food, and I can, I can claim my food is something. <laughs> I can't sell and you the outcome. I mean, true. if I could, I mean, and that's and 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 therein lies the rub. Is it's like okay, if you're buying products that claim to do this thing, you know, I mean, I mean, we get walked down the garden path like all the time in our lives. But why aren't you suspicious? Oh no, like shit. does this does the keto brownie, um, like. Does that contribute or does it at, at minimum not subtract from the con, the physiological condition that I am like I have either established or I'm trying to establish? I think what's important it, for me, I'm not a, a keto Bible thumper. Yeah. I'm, this mm-hmm. works for me for a very specific reason. And I think what's, what's important uh, when you approach anything in your life, but especially something as important as nutrition, you should be doing it for a deliberate reason. So I'm fueling Wait, for- eating for an outcome? Yeah, I'm, I'm fueling for a goal, for a purpose. And if, if I'm eating anything that's an obstacle to that goal or purpose, then I'm fucking myself. Yeah. I, there's a and couple things that- as fun as that sounds, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the outcome generally isn't, and, and, and the, and so you can say, no one, but, but so I, I, but let's just say if, if people were eating with intention, 
Mm-hmm. Can I give? Can I give? Uh, no, they're eating space? with inattention. It, well, exactly. No, that's that's what they are doing. Yeah, but yeah, if they yeah. were, eat, but okay. So we're. T- uh, how many people are eating for that? For, or for an objective, or or, or doing anything mm. with that objective as the reference point around which they are circling and trying to you know land on that spot. Well, that's where I think that the the ketogenic diet was so different be- because of how it was a discovered. Um, by people that were doing some extreme things, I think was the first, I can't remember the party, the, the Explorer party. Um, that went looking for the boat. Yeah, Fre- yeah. Frederick Schwatka. So that would be the first. The first. It would be the first, like, ah, after two weeks, man, we feel really good now that we're not eating bread. <laughs> and that kind of like, oh, wait Thank a second. God. Well, yeah. that's, that's a really good outcome because we're out of bread. Yeah, because <laughs> so you saw the first, like, kind of, you know, maybe it took logs. About, I think it was like three weeks of, to, to a totally adapt yeah. off of the hard tack i think it was any yeah somehow they and this is 1800 something i can't remember the exact date so you saw the first recollection of something's going on but ketone bodies have been discovered 100 years for sure now and studied specifically for epilepsy for at least 75 and so its application in a really strange way has always been very specific, like to treat disease or to treat something very specific. So it is different. And in order to treat a disease like epilepsy, you have to actually do it, right? Like I can be vegan, kind of. I mean, I can have vegan friends and talk about vegan shit, but no one will know the difference. And there will be no physical consequence should you have a lapse exactly yeah. and this is so my brother was quote-unquote vegan when i was in high school and i'd always make fun of him because i would go down in the middle of the night and he would be eating turkey out of the like he would just yeah but he needed the friends but he also needed to like eat normal food and so you saw this like oh well there's no actual effect here from a diet other than you get friends in certain categories or or whatever you fit in differently um socially but the ketogenic diet, if you have epilepsy and you don't appropriately diet or, or eat in a certain way, you will continue to have epilepsy. Like it, it is not a good treatment to kind of do the ketogenic mm-hmm. diet. So it pointed to what for one of the first times, and I think we're still pretty ignorant of this, the importance of nutrition on a system. Like the overall, okay, something really weird is going on here. The brain is having seizures when I eat like this, and when I eat like this, it doesn't have seizures. So something is happening with the metabolism of you know fueling substrates that's interrupting that, or something's happening where it's dependent on this fuel substrate. Those questions led to basically 75 years of study that allowed us to identify molecules uh, and how they interact with the brain differently. In your case, you don't have epilepsy, I take it? Not yet. Okay. What like what was the the benefit for you like what were you aiming for when you started to eat in this way so for me uh, i've been in horrific pain uh, from spinal cord injuries um, i've been in more helicopter crashes than you're supposed to be in <laughs> which so, is so you, i you, think they say five is okay yeah. no. <laughs> you you put whatever number you feel is appropriate there i've been in more than that number okay uh, but because of that like I was at a point where <clears throat> I was never suicidal, but I understood why people committed suicide. Like I guess this much pain is 
not something that anyone should ever have to deal with. And every doctor that I saw couldn't tell me why I was in the pain that I was in. And through my own reading of what people would call fringe science, but it's 75, yeah. 100 years of peer-reviewed literature. Uh, this, hey, this is something that is no cost for me to try, and it might be potentially a good outcome. And it immediately, it, it other than marrying my wife and the birth of my kids, mm. single greatest thing that's ever happened to me because it allowed me to get out of that level of pain that wasn't allowing me to be who I wanted to be. Uh, and so just like the epilepsy person, I eat this way because if I don't, I go back into a dark place that I don't want to be in. Mm. And pizza from Giuliani's in Brooklyn, <laughs> that, that's worth it. I'll, okay. I'll go to the pain cave for two or three days for, for a slice of Giuliani's. But other than that, I, what keeps me there is that specific goal. Is that there is an actual consequence right. or not. And people will tell me, well, you're, you're not optimized. You, you could get <laughs> two more reps or you could go a little bit further if, if you use this glucose. Mm. And uh, maybe I could. Um, I'm not going to argue that this is the optimal way for anyone to eat for this very specific goal that I have of not being in horrific pain. Yeah. It's an effective tool. And so that alone to me says this is something worth studying. Do, like, do you attribute that to the like anti-inflammatory effect? So there's, there's probably a couple of things because it's my spinal cord and there's, I also have uh, 21 documented concussions. So I have significant brain damage. Uh, beta hydroxybutyrate suppresses histone deacetylase. So part of what allows your brain to function properly uh, is incredibly enhanced by having higher levels of BHB. Mm -hmm. So I think there's probably some aspect of that involved. There's definitely some aspect of uh, the inflammation has gone to a level that's tol tolerable. Um, and there's probably also something in the nervous system signaling pathways. Yeah, the, how, they, the, how they'll say that a ketone body interacts or communicates with mitochondria is different when it's taken up through the brain. And they don't, exact, maybe they do now, but it's been a bit since I've read about it, but they didn't really understand that mechanism last I checked. And so for me, I'm, I don't care that I could show you a graph or, yeah, or yeah. You know, give you a readout. I, I know I don't want to shoot myself in the head and that's a pretty good outcome. So yeah, I'll take that. Uh, huh? Why didn't you just, uh, what about opiates? <laughs> <laughs> They're really good for you. That like when you make a disciplined sort of decision about anything, or a, or a you know, I mean I think a lot of the trouble that we um, have when we are trying to manipulate clients, let's say, or um, educate, uh, shepherd, whatever, it, it has to do with the. Um, I, I think it's more of the social pressure than anything. So, and when you. See, I mean, I know that in, in my past, making certain extreme decisions, like, okay, there's a level of alienation that, that happens. Um, and clearly, after 15 years, this is not a, not a thing. In the beginning, in the environment that you were in, the social circles that you were in, 
when you start eating in a particular way for that that specific very specific outcome um obviously if it's pain driven you know there's gonna there's not you, you get to evade a certain amount of pressure you know the social social pressure but in the beginning in that community where you you know came from that where the helicopters crash sometimes um what was like what was the reaction not, not what was the reaction but was it a difficult sort of thing did you was there a little bit of you know the bro pressure for a little for part of it or did guy you know guys just get it immediately I'm, i was lucky enough to come from a community of honestly some some of the best human beings on the planet but and rather free <laughs> slash lateral thinkers and but also people who are desperately driven to succeed and so for them there's no attachment to any idea all ideas are on the table as long as they're successful so when nobody's going to doubt anything you're doing they just what they're patient enough to say let me see the outcome yeah hey you're lifting more weights than i am you're in less pain than you used to be mm. we're all tired and you're still going all right whatever you're doing it's working let me try let me let's see so and behavior I, aimed at an outcome and then reinforced by positive um, objective so, success is kind of like but then it's but that's how it spreads mm. also is that other people see it where if they have that that but you know, then if uh, they want you to succeed and they want themselves to succeed which i think is in some cases where the social issues intervene is like i don't want you to lose well, the weight because then say, i feel shit that know, scenario that I environment didn't. that you just described of like um you know open-ended questions of what is useful what's successful what works what doesn't and not being uh, without judgment at least harsh judge or, or real criticism or, or, you know, where you're questioning your own identity based on the criticism of trying new things or whatever. I don't think there's very many environments that foster that in the first place, but in the second place, what you described where I want you to succeed because if you succeed, I succeed as in, you know, it's a, it's a win-win scenario. Most work situations are antagonistic. It's win-lose, man. If he gets promoted, that means I don't get promoted. And if he gets success, that means it's a reflection of my non-success. And so that when we talk about changing environment, it's like get to that environment where everybody is quote unquote winning, not in, in a, you know, maybe just metaphorically, but also it ensures that the relationship between people is a positive outcome. As in, man, if I really help you figure this thing out and you're a little bit pain-free, you'll help me figure some other, and maybe it's not the same path, it's not the same answer, but we're all geared or at least attached to an outcome, which is, overall team success and i think explaining that to some people is maybe um it sounds weird to them at first where you're like yeah i just don't know why i can't lose weight it's like no one around you wants you to lose weight what do you mean like your fucking environment sucks everybody wants you to be a fat piece of shit that's in debt because they're a fat piece of shit that's in debt and anybody that is outside of that seems intangible so like we had somebody visit uh recently who was telling us like he tried to bring some friends Hey, go, you know, go train with these guys. And they looked at some of the videos we did and they're like, oh, those guys do drugs, steroids. And I was like, really? They looked at how big I was. <laughs> they were just like, their okay. answer was steroids. Okay. I Mar am the poster child. Yeah. Mark, <laughs> Mark is obviously yeah, doing multiple cycles. Well, my first answer yeah. was like, well, they, they were right about drugs. They were 
wrong about what kind. About which, <laughs> like, <yeah>. It's, <laughs> but it made me think like, oh no, no, they have to describe the unknown as known. They don't know what we are or how we do it, but they have to describe it because they have to excuse their inability. But, but I think it's also a, a um, an ordering. Like mm-hmm. I need to keep things. Mm-hmm. So this is my environment. These are how I perceive these things. This is other. But if I describe it as n- not other, like the the so, something which can be described as known or whatever, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, then then okay. Now I don't have any more questions because I already because <laughs> they do drugs. Yeah. There's that's the answer. Yeah. Like it's it's so in that like in describing that kind of environment, you come from a fairly strange background like there's not many people like you and and some of the like just your education wise right fortunately <laughs> right <laughs> i don't know yeah. about but you're educated in in physics which is a strange thing to bring into you know the physical realm that you're in um do you think that that's kind of part of how you just kind of annihilate any category and that's what has opened up different opportunities for you I think I'm, I'm probably considered a unicorn in many places, but I come from a community of unicorns. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's almost your oddity or your uniqueness is commonplace here. Uh, you, we say at our place, you, you work your ass off every day to be average. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I think the, the background that I have probably gives me a perspective that's different than most mm-hmm. in that you know, physics and astronomy, you, you look at things on eons, you mm-hmm. look at hundreds of thousands of year timelines, yeah. which makes consequences immaterial. Mm. Uh, however, you can also look at infinitely small and in, infinitely uh, minute time frames, which makes everything immediate and apparent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there's a, a duality to your approach to problems where I think a lot of people in my community especially are very focused on what's in front of them because they have to be. Everything is an emergency all the time. Mm. And for them to be able to respond to the level that's required, they have to have that heightened sense of danger and pressure. And that's what makes them better than anyone else. Pressure always makes things better. Or it, it breaks you and, and you're no longer necessary but pressure is what creates the environment that allows these guys to do what they can do i think i'm perhaps a little unique in that environment in that i can see the immediate while i'm simultaneously seeing Mm. down the road so i can superposition Mm -hmm. because of my quantum physics background interesting i got that the perspective is um well there's other experiences that are, that were described that are that are similar that allow you that same perspective shift. Um, what I think is really interesting about it is, the, and, and people get this wrong all the time, and I would commend you for like getting it right, which is to take this kind of hard to understand um, terminology through quantum physics and applying it to the real world and not wearing rhinestone glasses and claiming it the quantum of youth or whatever the fuck. I, uh, <laughs> Where do I get those classes? <laughs> Deepak Chopra has them for oh. sale on his website on Etsy, I think. No, I'm just... I don't, like, there, there's... And when you don't understand it, when you hear the verbiage, you're like, oh, yeah, this sounds really scientific. But what you're talking about is anybody can see it. 
Like anybody can, well, for the most part, they can see geological time. They can see cosmological time through radiation and other things. And then you can start to understand minuscule time where we cut time in half and time in half and time in half. And then you get down to like infinitely small time. If you can realize that spectrum and where you, I guess, work, right? Like I'm not geological time. This shit takes millions of years, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm especially not small time because I can't even, uh, appreciate the moment because the moment's gone so there's somewhere in between where the human is working and living and you're finding your your perspective helps that moment by looking at the 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 grand scheme is that kind of right context matters yeah and the more uh open your aperture is the more context you have the more you can define your moment your present Mm -hmm. Uh, and so i think if you look at how, to make it in terms of people understand, a, a, an athlete plays a game, mm-hmm. a football game, a basketball, anything that has a clock, the last two minutes of that game are drastically different from everything else. And it's because time is a pressure. It's about to run out. It's a, So we gotta do anything we can do, we're gonna do now, a two minute drill, whatever. But imagine if you played the way, with that intensity, for the entire game. Um, and you wouldn't have to play with that intensity <laughs> at the end. Exactly. And it would make the intensity normalized as opposed to condensed. And I think uh, the ability to see those kind of consequences allows you to use pressure as a positive thing. You stress as a mm-hmm. positive thing. So uh, people in the, in the weight room, I'm sure you guys experience it all the time. They come in and say, I'm not making any gains. I'm, I've been lifting for years and we need more drugs. Yeah. I'm not doing enough steroids. (laughs) Well, you're, you're probably not intense enough. Mm. Lift, lift a heavier thing and see if it makes a difference. That's not what I say. Usually it's, um, do more bench press one more year (laughs) because it's generally that third year where the gains really start to happen. (laughs) But you, but the thing is to make that third year valuable, you gotta keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over because it's the re- it's the repetition, man. You finally le- you finally learn it. And if that doesn't and, work, and you, then I usually just you gotta wake up earlier to do it because that's it around like, four. Right? Yeah, I think it's four thirty. Is, is the, this is that yeah. the, the max time? <laughs> if you wake up before four, you're a psychopath. But four thirty, you're like a fucking A type personality. <laughs> exactly. This is the kind of it, shit. See, that's the difference of like twenty nine fucking minutes, man. Yeah. And and, and that's intense time right there. <laughs> that's time that intensity. time between four yeah. and four twenty nine. Yeah. Think, uh, so you did. You came in here and you showed us some really cool like physical things that you've been working on um, that, that were totally outside our realm, like stuff that, I mean, maybe we no, you s- were not unfamiliar. No, but I mean like application wise, you were thinking in a realm that I rarely think in as in like explosivity, how to get that f- like muscle to fire and not fire as quickly as possible, which I am aware of turn on, turn off. Turn yeah. On, turn yeah. On. And, and more and more and more. And in which case y- you're, your overarching approach is towards a system that we know is in the periphery, but it's not usually our focus. Our focus is generally the psychology that goes around hard effort, in which case the effort that is getting gotten, 
I don't really care. Like it's just, no, it needs to be hard enough that your brain starts to tick over. And if I can get that to tick over, I can get it to start asking questions and start to unweave this whole fucking web of bullshit that people bring into this space. And then I can start putting it back together correctly. And where you came in is your... Is exactly what he did was <laughs> reorder muscle firing patterns yes. so that they could operate in a... In a better order. In a better, yeah. From a different... So essentially, we're doing the same thing, different tools, different bag of tricks, but intentionally kind of geared towards the same focus. And, and a lot of your stuff is high-end performance stuff. Like this is the stuff you'd see in elite field sports and team sports and so that's why it's also unfamiliar ish to me is because we don't participate in any sports that require reactivity yeah yeah and that's an explosiveness i mean it's yeah and if we get somebody that's at that level they've already developed it like if we get an nfl guy or we get an nba guy or we get some like a team of you know last year was some some baseball players it was like those guys are already pros (laughs) They already fucking run real fast. You know, like I, they're already developed. What I'm trying to do is minimize the damage that they do with that potential. And then also, you know, build some capacity within their ability to hit really hard and go really fast. Um, what I thought was really interesting, I don't know, what would you describe your style of like this specific thing? What would you call it? I never have been asked to, to name it. Um, Hubris, I guess, is <laughs> outstanding. Nice. Uh, hubris happens to be the, the name of the business that my wife and I are, okay. are, are putting together. But uh, hubris, because uh, most people know that as as arrogance, but on, hubris really is defiance of the gods. And I think defiance of the gods, but from the earth to defy the sky. Correct. Yeah. And I think there's. There's a limit that has been put on us that is artificial. And what I do is try and show people that that limit is imaginary and self-imposed. And so by, by allowing you to lift more weight than you think you can, move faster than you think you can, it just shows you that your boundary is a lot further than where you think it is and where your body has been allowing yourself to go. And, and the thing that gets in the way of people fulfilling their potential what is themselves oh my goodness yeah. <laughs> and, but we talked which to, part of them spells <laughs> themselves specifically <laughs> it's right here in the chest yeah, <laughs> oh yeah they don't bench enough <laughs> yeah, for yeah, sure it's, for, <laughs> it's not an incline honestly most people do yeah. flat it's the incline <laughs> it's exactly <laughs> see a slight change in angle gravity affects you differently no but uh, you talked about a guy came in here and said i well i need to be strong and mm. Well, why? What for? <laughs> and th- I, I think about and that. And if the answer is, <laughs> duh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, bro, don't you get it? Yeah. Then but, um, then it's really tough to have a conversation. But I, I do the, the same thing. People, they see how fast I can move. Mm-hmm. And they, oh, I want that. I want that thing. <laughs> uh, but I don't do it so I can move fast. Because you know, I, w- I was a fighter for a, a, a long time, and it was definitely beneficial then. Inshallah, I'm not fighting anyone. Something's gone wrong if I'm fighting someone now. Yeah. (laughs) So I don't need to move fast. There's no part of my life that depends on that. But it's teaching my brain that there are levels that are available to you. And if you're not using the highest levels, you're wasting yourself. Yeah. You're going to atrophy them. Yeah. And, you know, what's the point of living if you're not experiencing the edges? Are you... 
I'm trying to seek discomfort in every way possible because that's where you get the most chance to grow and evolve. And so I've played with how, how much weight, can, how big can I get? How strong can I get? And I've, I've kind of, I've climbed that mountain enough to know what that mountain looks like. I don't need to go to the peak to know that that's a mountain. Let me go see what that mountain over there looks like. Maybe there's some different foliage and yeah. flora and fauna. <laughs> Minerals. But uh, so for me, this is a space that most people don't ever play with. Mm-hmm. You have a speed that arbitrarily you've chosen to move at. And for people to experience that you can move faster than that, it's not that I care they can move faster. I'm just showing them here was a barrier you had. Let's break through it. We yeah. here are the tools that, um, that with which you can surpass that barrier, overcome that barrier, or prove that that barrier was actually an artificial construct in your own head, um, and therefore uh, extrapolate. Yes, yeah, so is 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 are those same self-imposed, self-created, even or socially created barriers? Are they existing in other aspects mm, of life? Exactly. Not, I mean, up totally apart from physical life yeah define in it you you do set like definitively limitations especially in the speed realm um because it's hard to imagine yourself not being you and it is easy to go oh i wish i had that like there was um uh james townsend this uh athlete i worked with a couple years ago um he was a kind of a crossfit athlete but he came from the bears so professional nfl that kind of deal insane explosive power like when he jumps it looks like he jumps kind of when he's already in the air like there's like a double thing that happens and you're like what the fuck is there's something different going on when he moves where it just doesn't make any sense but speed is it and when you see it you're like uh, it's really easy to say like that's not me because I don't look like that when I jump Um, and and there's some negative qualities that come along with that kind of speed like that kind of tension man they fly really well but they break really hard Mm. like they (laughs) they tend to come apart in ways that are unforeseen um but i like the the idea that if if i notice that that's an ability or it's a possibility and i know we are built of sinew and bone and blood kind of similar and i noticed my tempo was not the same maybe i'm not ever going to be that but can i shift it can i upregulate my speed and this became kind of a weird apparent lesson in learning to play music is because you find a you find a rhythm that you're comfortable with. And that's easy to do eventually, especially if you're just transitioning. I play one chord, then the next chord, and it goes like this, and it goes like that, and you count one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. But the reason that there's an and in there is because that's a gap that you can fill in when you're better or when you try to get uncomfortable. So one and two and three and four. And so when you get the double beat, it's still on the same rhythm pad. It's still the same segment, but I've just doubled my workload. So I've just gotten fat. I've had to get faster and you miss it. You miss it. You miss it. But then when you fire and you finally get the speed, you're now playing something totally different. And I think that's what I felt when you were taking us through some stuff is like, man, I've never, I haven't felt, this before especially the banded kick thing was fuck it like i've never felt that kind of tension before this is a new feeling and i think i could use that somewhere like i really like the idea of of recognize or like not recognize my body doing a thing that i think that's useful 
I need to circle back for a second. Okay. Just to the, I see the speed and explosiveness expressed by another individual. Mm-hmm. I say, that's not me. Mm-hmm. I say, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. What is it that gets me to the point of asking why? Like, why not? Why can't I do that? Why? What? what? And, and, and because without the why, you don't, you don't recognize the brakes. And if you don't recognize the brakes, you can't release the brakes is my and Polly obviously what you were doing to us is tricking us <laughs> to basically vault the question right the recognition of the brakes and just gone straight to the release which demonstrated the existence of them so you asked in the beginning you know pe- do people pressure you about being ketogenic and i think some people make the mistake they say oh i see what you're doing i want to be like you and here's one tiny aspect of your life, and I'm going <laughs> to pick and, that and, and, and say pick that's, that thing. Yeah. Well, would you also like the the mountain, the pain, and the the breaks and the and the mm. dysfunction? Would you also like you know all the other stressors and whatever else? I am the the summation of every good and bad choice I've made my yes. whole life. You don't want most of that, so I, I think you're exactly right. It's it should start not. I want to be like you. It starts at who am I really? Where am I honestly at? Where? How do I not end that in a preposition? Yeah, exactly. don't worry about it. <laughs> at we're, which point am I possibly sort of like am. free English in here, man? It's okay. <laughs> uh, I, I would say, like, and I, I think it gets confused, but I really like the difference because um, I asked this question the other day, which was a really strange one. Not who am I, but what? Like, what am I made? Like, what am I and what am I made of? And that, not in a physical sense, because it's a pretty easy thing to identify, but who am I is directly tied to identity. And what am I has more to do with almost activity, like doing, purpose, being. And that, that's, a, that's a different speed <laughs> to catch on to because you're, I'm no longer concerned with what other people view me as. I'm more concerned with my experience. Because you identify the who as, as hearsay, yeah. essentially, as, as, as what other people yeah. see what, you as. One of the things that my wife or, and I... That wasn't an accusation. No, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Statement or question, yeah. even. One of the things like, my <laughs> wife and I always tell people when, when they come, hey, we want to be like you. How do we how do we be like you? And I'm like, you will never be like my wife. <laughs> she, is, she is out of this world. She's from another planet. But we always tell them, be a verb, not a noun. <laughs> <laughs> and I think uh, when, when people say, who, who am I? They say, well, I am a no. athlete. I am a yeah. soldier. I am yeah. a this. And that comes with so much exclusion. And it comes with so much emotional baggage because well, as soon as you're not that thing, how crippling and destructive that is. I'm a cisgendered, neutral, white <laughs> right. male. Oh shit! <laughs> it's my white privilege to meet you. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you're. Uh, we we've uh, we, we've talked about this subject of identity quite a bit, and it it always comes down to like the removal of the description of the. It's getting rid of, but you don't so that you can do. It frees you to do. You you never realize it's your identity until it's until it's you can no longer do the things that reinforce yes. that. Like it's the subtraction of mm-hmm. either ability or you know whatever the weightlifter certain. isn't worried about being a weightlifter he's too busy lifting the weights like there <laughs> but I, I think 
if I'm a if I am a weightlifter or I am a a runner, that's permanent. I am a slow runner versus I am running slow. I am running slow gives the potential that I can run fast. And oh, so, I did. That, yeah. <laughs> that, that one time. <laughs> and so we, but, or, in doing that exercise, that's exactly what we did. Instead of yeah. telling you guys, all right, this is the speed you're moving at, and I want you to move here. Well, let's just skip that whole conversation. Yeah. I'm going to move you this fast, and you don't have a choice. And now before you realize it, oh, I'm, I'm at a level that I'm not, I didn't think I could be at. That's inconsistent with my current identity. And I didn't have the opportunity to, for my own ego to tell me I couldn't do it. And this yeah. is so. Um, or my own self image. My own self limited self image, I guess, is tied in with um, because this is one of the biggest obstacles we face when when training people on very basic shit. This is not high speed complex. We're not doing the stuff that you took us through. It's generally about body awareness, about finding your spine shape, collapsing that spine shape, getting it back, like erecting it, building a, a solid foundation, feel my feet in relation to my spine and then connecting the chain. Right, connecting the whole loop so that I can feel where I'm at in time and space. And what I notice is when, when we do one drill, which is usually uh, a thumb down, a thumb up on the top of the spine so I can notice it shift when I'm squatting and then proceeding to squat, most people, when I tell them to stop, once they feel their spine change shape, right? The, f- the first thing that they do is they go, yeah, but that's not a full squat. <laughs> No shit. (laughs) But why are you worried about the perception of what you're like? You are so, um, I guess, preoccupied with the I need to do the task that is considered an accomplishment as opposed to I need to move well in the range of motion that I can afford to. Therefore, I can then have an A, uh, uh, an A, uh, an A spot to look at a B destination. And most people are the outside perspective looking in. Oh, people won't think that I'm doing a full squat. Therefore, I'm going to, I will compromise everything in my kinetic chain in order to get what other people consider an accomplishment as opposed to what I am doing, which is being aware of what I'm doing. And I, I think you talk often about how the, the gym is a metaphor for whatever else. Right, and what's beautiful about a gym is it's a process. And when people put a goal over the process, you immediately lose it. My favorite quote that I've ever written in any book is from uh, Chapter House of Dune. Seek freedom and become a captive of your desire. Seek discipline and find your liberty. And so if, if the beauty is in the process, let me organize my spine, mm-hmm. let, let me do everything correctly and deliberately, I don't care the destination what yeah, the destination matter. doesn't matter. I've, the process is where the, the beauty and the, the evolution lies. And further, I can take that now out of the gym and problems I'm having at work, problems I'm having with my life. I can apply that same structure of I care about the process. I don't, I don't even care what my goal is. The goal will happen in and of itself. And it might not even be the thing that I think that I want. I, I want to be enough in the moment that I'm just doing the process that gets me to the next moment. But having the, I, I think, um, 
having the objective, artificial or not, and I mean part of part of this is well, there's a there's a discussion of um, of trying to uh, motivate people to actually not be pieces of shit, and so <laughs> therefore an objective is useful, which. You know, the objective is this and it becomes, you know, it's a goal and all the way until it becomes the limitation. Okay. That's one you part of it. You but mean you would be subject to an object. <laughs> yes, you would be. But I mean, you've, you've, you've are, you, we, you would sign the value. Mm-hmm. I mean, what are arbitrary, real, what it doesn't matter. But um, th- this idea that uh, we become too attached to, yes, let's see the goal, the objective as the necessary um, com- component of the whole of the, of the, of organizing my spine, um, but not allow it to become the anchor. And I think that's the, th- there's like, okay, here's the, here's the, there's the light that I'm headed towards, but that light, when, you know, it turns out the part of it that I'm seeing is a spotlight shining directly into my eye. When I get up on it, it's, and I look 180 degrees behind it. So, oh, that's a floodlight illuminating everything that's mm. that's behind. But I was so focused on the one pinpoint of light for so long that I got stuck, blinded, hypnotized, whatever. So I think that objective is is necessary, and the problem comes from uh, in helping to you know motivate, organize, to um, to create the process. We started talking about the particle wave duality of quantum physics, <laughs> and and what you just said is is about as perfect an explanation. Quantum physics tells you that you can't know uh, a particle's momentum and position with equal precision. You're gonna have some vagueness involved. And that's exactly what you're saying. If I'm so focused on a goal that I've collapsed the wave function of possibilities, now I've severely limited what I can do and I'm, I'm anchored I, I know I have potential. I, mean, I have yeah. I have one outcome that there is a single rope drawing me to a single destination. Exactly, and the the ability to have that duality of vision of this is a fuzzy, nebulous goal that I'm moving in a general direction towards, but there's all these possibilities that come along with that, and as long as I keep that unfocused gaze on what's out there and keep the focus on the process that I'm doing to get there, all those potentials still remain open to me. So in this relates, um, uh, and it could be, don't get, don't hold that thought. Yeah. I can, I just want to take this down and simplify it a little bit, just and, and put it into practical terms. One of the first lessons I was obliged to teach some gentlemen from this organization, uh, back in the day was how to walk. Because everything leading up to that point, well, you know, if they'd you know been through ranger school, or whatever, they'd done some, they'd done a fair amount of walking, but all of the stuff had been um, previously on very, very accommodating terrain. Let's say inside buildings, let's say inside aircraft, let's you know things of that nature. Get out in the mountains, and now we're moving through this, you know, through uh, the term today would be dynamic terrain, but. Um, 
but just like it's it's fucking uneven how do you how do you organize how you're seeing things in order not to turn your ankle not to fall in the elephant trap not to and it always came down to okay i i i I zoom out, I take the snapshot, I focus on the, hmm. and then I zoom back in on the immediate in front of me. I take a picture of that. Now I don't need to look at that anymore because I've memorized it. Now I zoom out. I keep going from the very, very precise focus to the um, soft focus, wider overall thing. And just going, just teaching that and watch within minutes. Guys not having to like be hmm. totally focused with their head down anymore. Uh, you know, looking at like, okay, because now like I've, I've taken the snapshot, I've memorized it, I've seen the terrain and I'm, and, and, and and then the next step after that is starting to, you know, okay, now you start to feel the terrain with your feet and then you don't need light anymore, but that's, that's the, that's the more advanced three day course. Um, (laughs) but just that ability, okay. the, The, the precise focus to wide, precise to wide. And I think this is how we, it's, easy for our brains our minds to get stuck in either or and lose the fact that this is this this is a a, a fluid process that needs to be happening con- continuously um i was going to say every waking moment but well, it's every moment and so what you guys experienced with that that gym session is no different because the body is a remarkable machine that works incredibly well no matter how hard you try to fuck it up (laughs) and if you can turn muscle on and off Mm -hmm. very quickly your brain can also soft gaze focus gaze very quickly and you can love and hate very quickly i think it's important for anyone who wants to exist in a dynamic world to have a dynamic mindset and if you are unable to quickly and unemotionally detach yourself from one thing to move to the next, you're always going to be handicapped mm. by whatever emotional baggage is keeping you anchored in one or the other. I, yeah, that's a that's actually a really good way to put it because I think we <clears throat> we did like the external world, um, whatever our perspective of it, will actually control our emotional state which then reflects how we see the next phase. So we're kind of stuck in a loop in most cases. Most people are most people are stuck most of the time in a really bad nightmarish loop where how I see the world is reflective of how I feel about the world which then reflects on how I see the world again. And being dynamic is taking the world as it is, not how I want it to be or how I want to feel about it. In fact, it removes those and it's not about being unemotional or unfeeling it's actually the opposite it's about being very feeling very sensitive to what the world is giving me so that i can move within it which is a really weird um a a very (laughs) deep-seated level to what we try to explain by hey move like this or you know jump on this thing this many times and when you lose attention and hit your shins you should have questions (laughs) <laughs> and if there are no questions, there's no more lessons. Like there, there's no, <laughs> there's questions at every turn. And, and the, I think we, we were on top of a dead mountain when I, I was talking about, um, man, I just want to meet the person 
who takes five grams of mushrooms and has no questions whatsoever. Cause then I know who not to be around or who to be around. Like, because <laughs> the questions illuminate I, I think they they are everything they like that is the purpose behind everything the, the purpose when you're actually done with it is stupid like the objective and the, where I was going um, but before it was kind of a weird point on and it could be rhetoric it could be storytelling but essentially um, the story goes is that the Tao the way Taoism was actually developed through the flight of an arrow so the skill of hitting a target, right? Man, we know the objective. It's very fucking clear. I need to put this point at that point. They need to be exact. How do I go about that? That's process. And you could you could back this all the way up to taking the branch, finding it down, finding the stone, chipping it away, or even taking an ornate piece of metal, getting the feathers to line up, making sure it's true, getting the bow, recurving it, you know, taking the sinew from a deer. You could do everything along the way. And then when you learn all the skills over and over and over again to put one point on the next, when that finally happens, you'll realize that it wasn't when the point actually hit, it was everything in between that was important. And that is the philosophy in a nutshell, is that the path is the way. And when the arrow hits, there shouldn't be like that path is closed. It's collapsed. There should be another path. You'll know if that point hits, there's something else that you need to seek. Or if it doesn't hit, you'll know that you took the wrong path and you know what the next path looks like. And so that whole belief system, whether it's true or not, doesn't matter. It makes for a great story. But that is the purpose of an objective generally is to put one point to the next. And if they line up, then the process was worthwhile. And if it doesn't line up, it was also worthwhile. I, a challenge if, to go to the ultimate level of that would be to plant the seed, grow the tree, <laughs> make the bow. <laughs> and, and when the time comes, don't even fire the arrow. Well, that, and that would, be, um, that would be kicking the bucket over. Right. So, <laughs> so you understand your koans very well. Yeah, exactly. So to fill in, I think, have I mentioned this one before on the podcast? It's my favorite it's, one. It's been mentioned recently. Okay, I so don't, but I, but I, one so many conversations wants to decide whether his two best students, which one has been enlightened or understands enlightenment or, you know, has, has mastered enlightenment. So he brings both of them in and he puts a bucket of water on the table and he goes, I want you to describe enlightenment to me using this bucket as a metaphor, but you can't use the word bucket or water. And so one student is like, oh, the vessel carries this fluid that I must creep in. He goes poetic and waxes for like five minutes. And the master is like, oh, fuck. Like, no. Well, at least I got his tuition. Yeah, and it was just like, <laughs> man, I, saw, I messed up somewhere. And he goes to the next student. And the next student looks at him and looks kind of lost. And he kicks the bucket over and walks out of the room. <laughs> and he smiles and goes, at least one of them got it. <laughs> <laughs> So there, there is, there is, we, we came up a couple this is a couple years ago when we we're like, my favorite thing to do for a while was to describe, to see if I could describe people that I met and knew based on how they would pluck an apple from a tree. This sounds super stupid and lame compared to our entertainment of what we do, but it becomes a really good m metaphor for how well you know yourself and other people. So I, <laughs> so like, uh, I, mine was like, you know, the, the fruit, the object is to get the apple. And 
I can't, if you can't just reach and get it, how are you going to get it? And most people, you know, they want a direct path to getting the apple because the apple is the fruit. Uh, my style about going and getting the apple would be like, well, I would, I would decide that chopping the tree down is the best way to put the apple in reach. But in learning to chop down the tree, I would probably get sidetracked with learning about axes, and then I would go learn about blacksmithing for the next 10 years, and I'd forget about the apple. <laughs> Mar my idea of Marx was he would look at the apple, and he would see that everybody wants apples, so he would go learn how to grow an orange tree. <laughs> so, <laughs> Lemons, man. I'm here. <laughs> sour. He needs something much more sour. Exactly. Um, I, you want I would say that it would put me out of ketosis, so I'm just going <laughs> to... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You'd do something with like solar-powered food. or like <laughs> There's something there, but in how I think it... What it does is it puts in perspective, like, how do you ask questions and what captures your attention? What was Aaron's way of getting the apple? Because I remember this being really fucking funny. <laughs> she, she would take a picture of the apple tree and put it on Instagram and see how many likes the apple got. <laughs> 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 and or, that in itself would be nourishing. Yeah, and then somehow yeah. she would become sponsored and she doesn't need the apple anymore because people are paying her yeah, to take pictures her of the apple. Yeah, they're sending her apples. Yeah, people are sending her apples. Exactly. <laughs> they're... they're <laughs> There's, it's it's all these things and then are she's really responsible tools, for diabetes, right? and, yeah. and like there's a whole industry that gets built on the back of that. And oh man, <laughs> yeah. When she, it's kind of funny because she's kind of a mutant as well. Like you know, but to see people's reaction to her food post sometimes is pretty hilarious. I, she can go off the deep end and eat whatever the fuck she wants because she knows enough about how this process works. But I, <laughs> I think one time she actually for the first time was honest about her almond butter consumption in which case she asked me we were up in vancouver and she was like how much of this almond butter did you eat and i was like i don't eat almond butter <laughs> and she's like that's not that's not possible and i was like what do you mean and she's like it's gone i've purchased 64 ounces of almond butter in the past week and i'm out and i was like Either there's a thief or... <laughs> or <laughs> so so <laughs> that was her first realization. And she still does it to me. She's like, how much of this cake have you eaten? I was like... I don't eat cake. I don't really like cake that <laughs> <Yeah>. much. <laughs> if there's ice cream, the ice cream's gone. Like, that's me. But I count it because I know I'm going to eat the whole thing. I just, like, throw the cap in the garbage and exactly. eat it. Exactly. Project that. Yeah. It's a, the objective. You'd be a coward if you, if yeah. you stop short. Yeah, yeah exactly. it would be. Yeah, it would be weak of me. <laughs> well, you, you would just be lying to yourself. Like you said, you wanted this, man, and then you actually went and bought it. There's some. So there's a new Talenti. You know, Talenti gelato. You may or may not. I, I, I remember I it was not. a thing on Instagram yeah. a while yeah. ago. I'm torn because they do use um, some ridiculous plastic packaging and I've been a little bit more sensitive to companies that are just wasting fucking plastic for no reason and so I was like man I didn't want to buy it the other day but <laughs> I got past that because they have a new <laughs> layering that they'll do where they'll layer um, I don't know like candy pieces and then ice cream and then like a fudge brownie candy piece and then ice cream and so the, the, the real fucking crime here is that you, it changes how you eat ice cream because normally you know you chase the stuff 
This, you start to quarter it. And once I quarter it, because I want the whole segment, well, fuck, there goes a quarter. I might as well get half. And once I get half, I'm <laughs> well, like, well, it's super easy to get the rest. Well, and then you're like, I feel pretty good. I feel like I've done a bunch of work. I think I could eat most of it, but no one's going to leave a quarter of a quart. That's ridiculous. That's not even a snack. It's half or nothing. So it becomes whole or nothing. <laughs> Fuck you, Talenti. <laughs> I think what, I was going to go off on something about plastic that I learned today that oh. uh, about a particular lobbying group. No, no, sure. And their involvement with, you know, working to counteract state and municipal bans on, you know, plastic bags and shit like that. Oh, no shit. Yeah. That's a real I, thing. It's a real thing. It is actually a thing. Trying to protect the uh, 30,000 jobs of people who <laughs> make plastic bags and recycle and work in recycle. Uh, just like the... the, the I, I have a the question thesis. about that. <laughs> yeah, I did too. Well, I, and mean, I just like... Not about that in general, about God, the job thing. Like... I don't you even save think the jobs, right? Like, but if you, if no one needs your job, you should figure something else out. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's you don't dangerous. need to keep doing what you're doing. I know, but I, I know it's a danger. I know we're we're getting on very sensitive territory where you're like, but it was just it's it's a strange thing because the, like the one of the justifications is like, okay, here the you, you know your your hemp bag that you take to yeah. grocery shopping uh-huh. has to be used 131 times was the figure before. It is more environmentally sensitive, beneficial, whatever, than all of the plastic. Well, that that's only you, because the U.S. banned the use of hemp, so we have to import it from Canada, <laughs> which increases the charge and the fuel charge. So if we changed our laws regulated cannabis use, then we would probably save the environmental impact. I was taught that a, <laughs> a, a man should always be able to carry his weight, and so I don't take bags to the grocery store. Ooh. If I can't carry it, and in my arms, yeah, I don't need it. Yeah, I've had a really good practice now because I usually deliver the mail, and then I have that mail bucket with me, and so I just put my groceries in that, and it works perfect. How many times have you done? Have you done that 131 times yet, man? You must hate the planet if you haven't. <laughs> <laughs> like, if I've been uh, to the grocery store 131 times, we have other problems. No shit. If, <laughs> you, if you wait. If you had actually dropped off mail where we ship out products that people have purchased from us 131 times, we'd have a business. <laughs> we'd have a real but business. I don't think we've, I, How many I, trips I, have I made? That, Maybe I've probably been to the I've I, probably been to the post office more than I've been to the grocery store. I'm still I'm pretty sure it's we still must because we're pretty shit at this. Yeah. We're still in double digits. The yeah. two people that have figured out how to actually order from you. Exactly. <laughs> Those two, they keep ordering. Though. Yeah, awesome. they ordered a couple times. <laughs> yeah. So it's awesome. <laughs> it's really working out. And, nice. their, and their address, the shipping address is already in the computer. It's yeah, super easy it's to print just... that label. And... <laughs> uh, amazing. I think labels. the important lesson to me that, I, that <laughs> I'm going to take away from your Talenti story yeah. and, and carry it forward is not that you are you can compromise your moral compass for some candy. <laughs> yeah. It's that you avoided a guilt about the, your decision by saying, well, there's a process to this. I'm going to figure out an intellectual way, <laughs> a deliberate way to go after this ice cream. And now I've made this a positive experience. And if there's... I learned from my ice cream, right? Any for sure. moral shit attached to eating food... Yeah, go was, hang yourself. Go, yeah, it was wrong in the first place. <laughs> like, I think if you've, that's hard like, to get rid of, though. Oh, no. It's that, a, that's no, some deep-seated shit, man. Some, some morality of eating is, is no joke. Which but, it seemed like when we first started teaching a, a bit, there, there, um, that was one of the things that that came up was this 
this moral the, the the language of morality around food you know foods that are good foods that are bad that's sin sin yeah it's like <laughs> oh it's a guilty pleasure you know or whatever and just, like, do you feel like morally one way or the other when you're putting gas in your car i mean yeah i like to go i like to, you know, when I live here in Utah, mm. I try to buy from Sinclair Oil because mm. they pull that shit out of the ground. They pollute the exact place that I, you know, live. Mm. I have not exported the, Ooh. you know, my pollution like to other countries or other states. Um, so that'd be kind of a, I don't think that's really a moral <laughs> thing. That just seems like, you know, how does it feel to shit where you eat? <laughs> and yeah. you should be pretty sensitive to that. So maybe you shit a little bit less. Well, and even on <laughs> on Polly's thing, like you only you carry all your shit. Yeah, you have to carry it, and therefore you really get down to what you need, not just what you want. Because some of the stuff, you know, man, I really want this six pack. It's fucking hard to carry. <laughs> it like flops all over the place. I, I need to like organize my food so they build a shelf. So well, exactly. And a and a and a twelve pack makes a shelf. Ooh, nice. Okay. Yeah. See, and a twenty four pack. I mean, you, you know, but that takes that one whole like hand. A, no, no, no. You, it's in two. <laughs> okay. Like that. Maybe you can get the one under that takes, but then you get to pile on top. You can tell I don't drink little anymore because little I little window yeah. in between. <laughs> and why would you? So I do Drink. all those 30-30s so you can carry those things. So you can yeah, carry yeah. those things. No, I do the 30-30s so I can carry that dog that fucking weighs more every morning. <laughs> it's like more than your thigh now for sure. Man. But yeah. I, there's, it, a, there's a huge physiological component to your perception of how you're behaving. Mm. And this morning I got to work out with uh, Mr. Hobie. Yes. Oh, did you really? Nice. And, uh as, okay. as he always does, he, he made it something that no human being is supposed to do. <laughs> did, you go up the, did you go to so, the 400? We were at the uh, U.S. Ski Center. Yeah, yeah. So we, we, there's a mile trail up the side of the mountain. Yeah. And so we, we ran up that with a weight vest, did 100 burpees, yeah. and ran back down and did 100 squats. And then Buddy carried each other up and then came back down and then ran the staircase up a couple times. Um, and Hobie like, wasn't even winded. He's singing and dancing the whole time. Nice. I had a conversation with my wife. Say, hey, remember how I have you know a broken back and a broken neck? I'm going to carry a 300-pound man up a mountain. That sounds appropriate, right? <laughs> and she said, you know, I, I'd prefer that you didn't. And I thought about it. And so this morning, I was like, you know what? I'm mature. I'm, I'm a wiser person. I know the cost of I doing that. I have removed that. all ego yeah. from the equation. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've... I'm just going to run up the mountain with a weight vest, not carry a, carry a person. So I run up and immediately my back is on fire and, and it is, it is terrible. Uh, but you, you run up to the top and at the top, I'm proud of myself because even though it hurt, I did it. Mm. And Hobie and the group are coming down and they say, Hey, we're we going to do buddy carries. I said, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be wiser and smarter. And I was, and I was with that yeah, vest. I was proud of myself because mm. I made the opposite choice. And so the hypocrisy of being proud for doing mm. complete opposite things. Uh, and I understood it, but it didn't change my mind. I was still proud of the choice <laughs> I made. But I think that's important. Mm. I could have made either choice. I could have run up the mountain or not run up the mountain. Mm -hmm. But as long as I felt good about the choice I made, then it was a good experience. If I had felt guilty for not running up the mountain. It's a negative. 
And if I'd felt guilty because I'd run, right, I've, I've turned the same event into a negative rather than a positive. So <laughs> at a certain point in the past, I would, I had this idea uh, that the post-exercise condition of one's mind has an effect on the actual, the physiologic adaptations that yes. will happen as a, you know, a, a, of that particular workout. And if, if I make whatever choice I make, whatever I do, if I feel good about it and I don't second guess it, it's going to be the best possible outcome. Here's endorphins and growth hormone and, and, and positive growth. It, and, and, and so I did the physical work and that combined with the appropriate mindset um, was like a, there was a multiplied effect. If I did the work and I had that decision where I felt guilty or where I was second guessing whether I did it enough or I did it right or maybe I carried that forward in a psychophysical memory that affects the outcome of that particular workout. And um, I didn't find a lot of traction with this idea at that time. <laughs> like I could, people were just like, uh, it's the mad professor part that's happening all of a sudden. It's like, no, we need to. And so I started structuring training so that people would quote, accelerate out of the gym. So that there was never, there was never allow the person the opportunity to have that sense of guilt, to have the process of second guessing. And I think it was, uh, you know, ultimately I believe in my own bullshit. So I think it was more effective, <laughs> but, um, but I've seen the opposite of it happen enough times. And even if the physical outcome is the same, I think the holistic outcome, if you will, is better from not second guessing from, but the, of, of having so, no sort of moral judgment around like picking shit up and putting it down. And because you've, you've come from a world where that, those kind of choices were life and death choices, you know, vice the gym where maybe you get gains, maybe you don't. <laughs> what, what kind of sense do people have when they come off a mountain and they have to go through, Hey, we made these choices and it resulted in our failure or it resulted in a death of a human being. How do you process something like that through that same lens? Um, you, I mean, for myself, scrape it down till it's raw and bleeding, and then heal. You know, in 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 a way, like heal strong stronger at the broken points or whatever the fucking bullshit matter. You know, quotation is, but um, I I think it just has to be. It's like the after it's the hot wash. It's right. the exact thing. It is absolutely okay. Free of you can't improve if you're carrying some kind of moral judgment about the actions into the into the analysis of them. Mm -hmm. Right? It's like okay, this happened. Yeah, it was my the and some. It's it was kind of funny. Um, Steve House has put up a bunch of some videos with some you know the, like grander lessons of alpine climbing, and he was talking about um, the Slovak direct that we were on together with Scott Packies. And um, at at a certain point, you know, we were so fucking tired. The decision making was not, you know, um, as it had been earlier. And when it was, um, you know, th it, there there was a, there was a certain part afterwards where 
you know, we made bad route finding decisions. And everybody, you know, we all shared in that. We made certain, you know, timing decisions, who was in front at a particular place, you know, it was all, it, all of these decisions were made by us collectively. Mm-hmm. And then in this, um, and in this, the, one of the videos when Steve was talking about this stuff and it was like, yeah, and Mark made some, made a bad route finding decision, like actually multiple, you know, in a row, uh, you know, somewhere 36 hours and you know been awake for 36 hours or whatever at that point, or I'm moving it for that long at that point. And I was, and, and for a moment I was like, really like there was a weird part like that wasn't me that was uh, uh that was me motherfucker he's but but the initial reaction is like you do, you don't um ego doesn't want to take responsibility for the bad outcome but if but if you if if you know ego is in the way of analyzing what happened like there's no learning from that if ego keeps resisting the you know the, the the you know responsibility for that particular um, action, and so ultimately afterwards, I mean, and that's a lesson that 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 happened twenty fucking years ago. You know, and when I saw the video, I was like, you know, there was an instant of that wasn't, and then gone because I'm twenty years fucking more mature, mm-hmm. and I realized like, okay, I can. Let's see. I'm learning a lot about my own behavior right now by observing, by stepping back and observing this in a semi-objective manner. Um, but there's no way to have learned anything from it if we hadn't disassociated a moral judgment from the actions that were taken. Hmm. And so I think that's how you just have to you have to step back, be 100% honest, take the hits if you deserve them, give them if somebody else deserves them, and figure out the right you know way ahead and then you know comfort the grieving widow it's another case of that the outcome should not be the focus because you're here's what went wrong with the process we need to yeah. fix the process regardless of what the outcome was exactly and and you know good outcome bad outcome doesn't that, that we can influence future outcomes if we resolve these issues with the actual process mm. something that that we do in our hot wash and our after action review. It, it is brutally, brutally honest where you come to the table. Here are all the things that I did wrong. And everyone in the room's like, there's about 30 other things you didn't mention. We're going to tell you all the things you did wrong, but that's done out of pure love and friendship mm. and brotherhood of, yeah, there's no judgment. It's not, you're a piece of shit. Cause you're wrong because I, I care so much about you. Here's what you did wrong. So next time, give you feedback. Yeah, you do it right. Yeah, and that's and it's I, neutral feedback actually. Like it is neutral. There's no judgment to it. It's yeah. This was wrong. If you had done this, it would have been better. And, so, and this is so. This is why it's so hard to communicate with a human being is because the information that you're giving, so the feedback that I'm giving them is only one layer of it. The second layer is my approval, right? Because we're socio beings like we need the connectedness and we need to know our place sociologically so when i say you made a mistake mm-hmm. you hear i created devastating like i i, I <laughs> now in the bottom of the pecking order or, like, or yeah. worse yeah i am a mistake <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. i <laughs> like, am the creation like, of mistake <laughs> like, <laughs> and it's super hard to to to, to disassociate the, yeah. the the act from the actor yeah, yeah. And, and it's uh, in and as a co- this is like 
the one coaching trick that people have is they hijack that respect of authority or the want and need <laughs> to fit in sociologically and they use that as a puppet trick like oh, i'll dangle this uh, you were sub me you are less than you are this therefore you'll always reach up and try to please and if you're trying to have my <laughs> approval in which Please case, behave it, this way. Yeah, and, and, and maybe if the person can use that behavior um, appropriately, maybe that's one way to, to train a monkey. Like maybe that's one trick. Um, but it's not the best way. Like neutrality is the best way, and honesty and truth is the best way. Truth burns, it does hurt. It is not neutral, it is usually just very direct and honest. Um, but if you can understand the neutrality of, of truth, then you can actually work with it and grow with it and know when too much is too much. Be like, I, I, I got it. Yep, I did this wrong. So the, psychologically, when looking at it, it's really interesting to see how people have reverted in communication style. Like, hey, I'm teaching you something. I want you to learn it to the best of your ability. I'm not going to give you a yes or no because when I say yes, that's positive to you. And when I say no... That's negative. I'm not talking negative or positive. I just need you to accomplish. Therefore, we back down to like dog training. It's a clicker, right? Click means I did it right. No click means I haven't done it right yet. And if we go back down to that level of communication, I'm no longer looking for the approval of the person teaching me. I'm looking for the click, which means I'm looking, I'm falling closer to the task at hand and I'm farther away from acceptance. But if I do the task, I am accepted. And so it becomes a really hard thing, especially as somebody who communicates for a living, to be like, my best way of communicating is getting rid of myself, getting rid of my personality, getting rid of my need to approve people and be approved of. And if I can get rid of that, then we can lead to these positive feedbacks like truly positive as in we accomplish something not yeah, as like in I approve positive of outcome yeah. feedbacks and that's so you mentioned something about uh, briefly uh, bring this back a couple which i drew this diagram because i've been thinking about how this interweaves so this this kind of double helix looking thing with a braided rope kind of deal the cord that binds everything that gives people their strength is their belief right and their belief is bound or supported by um, their certainty, i.e. their faith that there should be an outcome, but it's opposition, which is its proof of that outcome, right? The factual, uh, the evidence that, that my belief is true. So both those need to wrap because without, you know, and I'm, we don't have to speak spiritually, but the, my belief is held up by an idea that sometimes I can't prove, right? Like I want to squat X amount of weight. I need to believe that it's possible at some degree by informing it slowly, but I need the evidence to back me up all the way. Otherwise the whole thing comes unhinged. And I think whether you have a positive or negative outcome on each individual circumstance, your run today with Hobie was based on, I need to believe that I can do this. I need to prove at least part of it. And I also need to prove it's opposite that I can back down and not ruin the whole thing. I need to not fray it at the edge. So therefore it's positive, not because it was a juxtaposition of I did and also did not, but because you balanced the belief that you have in yourself by you believe 
that you can prove that you can still do things, but you have faith that you can let go or you, you have certainty that you can let go when you need to. So you become a very pliable rope. And now I have strength because I'm pliable, not just rigid. I don't just like all the time. Does that make sense? It's a much better explanation <laughs> than I have. And <laughs> 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 it makes me feel much, so much better about it. Yeah. <laughs> so you're going to have a very positive outcome from yeah, that now, workout that you yeah. kind of did. Yeah. I, can, I, can, I can feel the epicaticums <laughs> building muscle. As yeah, right? <laughs> it's malleable, being malleable, being pliable, right. being, yeah. being able to morph and do what we need to do. But also at some points, man being rigid and being like forcing yourself against it man i really don't want to put on my shoes i really don't want to do that 100 mile bike ride that thing is uh, like just barreling down at me i'm trying to figure out how i can make it a positive experience by enacting little things every day or at least you know every other day or something behavior every day that'll make that a positive outcome i think that's where people lose sight of the objective is like they see the objective and they either can or can't do it and that's their outcome but if they each day see man if i do this it'll be more positive on that more positive on that and like i ride my bike to work okay i just put basically funds in the account that will lead to that being a positive it's a it's an investment into that being a positive experience that will lead you to the hubris <laughs> of the 100 mile race <laughs> as opposed to the 60 mile backing down like a weak person <laughs> to the 60 mile <laughs> i need approval <laughs> or, or don't like, disappoint me <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the the gentlemen in this room have a, a passion for seeking discomfort and it's a beautiful thing right discomfort is is the, the most wonderful place to live in. And for me this morning, the comfortable thing, the thing that I know how to do, mm. throw suffer. that dude on my shoulder and suffer. That's, yeah. that's what Easy. I'm good at. Yeah. That's what I'm tiefer trained on. What, what is discomfort to me, what was incredibly hard was to not do that. And so I'm trying to keep, put a spot, positive spin on me chickening out is, you know, I, I sought the thing that was more painful more suffering mm. in in avoiding that. So if you don't do the hundred, yeah. frame it that way. You 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 chose the harder path. It could be <laughs> by doing I, the sixty. I don't have a history of not being committed, like of not overcommitting. Overcommitting. <laughs> like I, I generally, I think I have a pretty good um, ledger of doing too much. <laughs> too frequently and overdrawing, <laughs> yeah. but I've le but those are where a lot of lessons come from. Even if they're obvious lessons, like not preparing fully or not do it. Like, man, the excitement is it's there for everybody. the The, the hard thing to do is like, because it's really easy to talk with other people that get that, and there's nobody in this room that would look about what you're capable of and see you not do a thing that would even question it. Like. The people who know, know that there's no judgment in that. Just like you're going to be harder on yourself than anybody in this room ever would from, from witnessing that, Even, especially if we were there and like, being like, yeah, don't do that. Like that's, <laughs> you don't need to do that. There's nothing that is in your history that makes me question like that guy fucking quit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we put that pain on ourselves and that becomes our, our reference point. The hard part that I think is when we're talking about this. I don't think the majority, uh, maybe I mean, we kind of scare away normal people on this podcast, but 
the majority of people that listen to things as opposed to do things, they're still trying to figure out how to do. Therefore, the answer, like, they would see that really quickly as like, oh, yeah, well, you know, he didn't do it as it. That's a, a you level just gave of ex- them, God damn it. You just gave me permission. <laughs> yeah. no, 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 I, I like that <laughs> because if you're going to be a quitter, you're going to quit anyway. It doesn't matter what somebody else does. Right. That's, it's a self-defining principle. Yeah. The person who struggles with quitting as like, fuck people like, I don't want to do this. That person is free to quit because they're bound by their own. I don't even know their own pressure to not quit. Those are the people that probably should give up sooner than later. And learn how to how to be humble and just be like bow down. Do what you can do this another day. One of the things that we see often is as people try to climb through the ranks to make it to to organizations that I've been to. There's two very distinct characters. One is people that no matter what it takes have to do it because they want to be at that level and they want to mm-hmm. do that thing. But there's also <laughs> people who just don't want to fail. Mm -hmm. And there's a huge difference. And the people that don't want to fail usually wash out because if your commitment is to your ego of Mm -hmm. like, I just can't. Oh, I can't accommodate failure. I can't handle the failure. I can't quit you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I had a horse trip last week. I've just been waiting to bust that out. (laughs) But I think there's a, uh, one thing you mentioned that that triggered in my mind about uh, trust. And when two people are involved in any kind of activity, there ha- there's some level of trust or respect that's either gained or not gained. And a lot of times people assume trust to be, I trust that you will do mm-hmm. what I would have done. Expect. Yeah. And, and that's very selfish and, mm-hmm. and narrow-minded. True trust is whatever you do, I trust that it's the right thing, even if it's different than what I would have done. So I trust that you're making the decision that makes the most sense from your perspective and and view of things. That's what we call win-win relationships. So that's unconditional trust, which only comes from um, the, the idea of trust as a contract, right? Like the this in between where I've identified somebody who behaves a certain way. Therefore we can shortcut conversations in order to rally the troops metaphorically to get more done as a, as a group. And that I, maybe that's the best way to frame it because I've, I've never broken it apart like that is it like, it's one of the interesting aspects of working with Mark is like, we don't really have a schedule. Um, we have things that need to get done. And every day that I wake up, it's like, I, I'm asking questions. What can I get done so that it gets done? Or what can I do to add to? There's never a question that he won't do it because there's a level of trust there. And no matter what it is, if, if I didn't see him for a week, I would trust that there was a reason. <laughs> and like my worry would shift from what needs to get done to like, man, there's something really bad going on or something really good. You never like FedExing guns to Mexico. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like, why didn't you tell me I could have like, I make a great road trip. Yeah, partner. exactly. Uh, there's this, yeah, there is. I can not talk for hours in the car. Yeah. I've got tons of metaphor or uh, <laughs> provincial. <laughs> Nothing like some provincial LSD and unmarked guns. <laughs> Just, 
Sounds like a country needs to be taken over. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that, that I think how many people do you have in your life that you can actually trust? Like, and I mean unconditional trust where it's like, yeah, the decision is actually not what I would make because why would I want to be around myself? Like I am me. Right. I don't need duplicates of me. I need people that will counterbalance me. I need people that will do the opposite and show me that that's okay too. And that that's kind of what, like, that's why Aaron, like my wife is such a, a fucking weird species is because she is a juxtaposition. She is so soft and gentle and nourishing, but then she has such sharp teeth and she's so fucking vicious. And you're like, I like that balance because that's not me and she so she rides this fine line of like opposites and then together because i'm completely not her in totally different ways like down the middle logical rational i overthink i do this that combination creates trust because i know it's a balance i know it's i've been staring at this wall by myself overthinking a scenario that never happened and she'll just come in smiling and remind me that sometimes you shouldn't think about things. You should just walk into a room and smile. You should just go to San Diego instead. <laughs> <laughs> Mexico's really far. <laughs> but, and to that, to that same line, I think the, the reason that my wife is such a great partner to me is because just like we were talking about before, she will give me unadulterated feedback. Mm. She has no problem saying, this is what you did wrong not because she wants to point out a flaw, but she knows that that's what I want to hear more than anything else. Mm-hmm. I, I want to hear what can I do better next time? And because of how much she loves me, I know that it, it's painful for mm-hmm. her to do that. And it's out of her, mm-hmm. I mean, she's such a nurturing, caring person. It's out of her character, but because of how much she loves me, she's, I know what you need. It's in character yeah. because of that. Exactly. I, I still have the, like, I still have the egotistical first knee jerk reaction. That's like, what? but you didn't do it. Like I always, you always find that like, yeah, but you do like, you always want to fire back until you get better at it for sure. But I'm wondering it like, you seem really good at it. Is there still like, is there still a natural reaction to protect your ego? Like, is there still just, even if you don't vocalize it, is there still the like, yeah, well, I had to pick up your mess the other day. Maybe not criticize me about my mess. Like, I, I, and I, I get the helpfulness of it because there's unconditional love and trust there. But I'm wondering if, like, fuck, can you ever get rid of that stupid voice that's protecting nothing? You're protecting a castle that is empty. I, I Where I find that to be the most difficult is with my kids. Because mm. I, I know how correct it is to only give them negative feedback and tell them what they can do better. Mm. but you see their tiny little faces and, <laughs> and their tender little hearts. And it is so difficult to not say, Hey, you did great. Uh, and so what, what my wife and I really try and focus on is we never focus on the outcome. We never say this mm. thing you made is great or this thing you did was amazing. We always try and say the effort that you put into that was great. Was great. Mm-hmm. This picture is a piece of garbage. <laughs> <laughs> No, we, what we we're trying to start doing no, is... this is art with a small A. Right. We, <laughs> we're trying to find ways to more gently provide that kind of feel. Like, hey, yeah. you painted a picture of a duck. Yeah. This will look great on the basement freezer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
but we'll say what what do you think could be better about this picture that way the feedback mm. isn't coming from us we're trying to get them to have that conversation of yeah i made this but i probably could do this better if and then and also like asking the question outside of the post accomplishment like immediate high like okay take a beat a little mm-hmm. bit and then you know give the you know the the approval if you will that the child is seeking mm-hmm. i don't know fuck all about this i'm just <laughs> my, i'm just gonna just, <laughs> i've got um, one of them and i don't understand <laughs> it either like, um but but then by by reorienting the question like okay we've we, we, we've taken the we've already like satisfied we've scratched the itch and then pr- please relook at this scene and tell me that's not a lion you little fuck (laughs) (laughs) one of my favorite scenes from uh, a movie called river runs through it which i I don't think is that great a movie but i love the fact the father makes the son write an essay and he the son brings it to him and he he gives no uh, affect he doesn't say it's good or bad he says is it is it good in your opinion is this the best you can do and the son takes it back and edits it himself and it happens three or four times. The father reads it, and it's perfect, and he just rips it up because it's done. You you've done the best that you could. There's yeah. nothing more to do on it. Now it's history, and let's move on to the next thing. And I've always wanted to do that with my son, but I have not yet. <laughs> I have not yet found the the cojones to rip oh something up in front of him. That so. takes a special kind. <laughs> yeah, because that's like a granddad thing. That's not a dad thing. Is yeah. how I. Feel, I don't know feel it, about that. It's a second dad thing. It's but, a after, you know, it's like a what do you mean second dad? Your second <laughs> your second father, your mentor. Okay. Like whatever yeah. your mentor is it's like in the military right. if you find it in sports you find your coach. It's that person yeah. that because I think there's a there's a level of so res- second dad is not stepdad is what you're saying because <laughs> yeah. I was yeah, that's immediately that where guy. I went and I yeah. was just like because oh. second dad is always a shit dad which sucks because I am a second dad so, <laughs> and I realize how bad I suck at it because I do similar sh- like it's all I've, it's all I've seen you you know metaphorically tear up the fucking essay yeah I don't hold back like I, I figure she has enough soft in her life like. She needs some sharp. <laughs> and it happens to be right up my alley. <laughs> so, like she couldn't have uh, yeah. gotten the lottery more wrong to not want a very harsh like reality. Like <laughs> the other day she was complaining about having to go back to school. And I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, what don't you like about it? She's like, well, it's just so this and it's that. And I was like, quit. Like, drop out. Teach yourself. Live off the land. Like... <laughs> <laughs> and she's just like, I can't like talk asshole. to you about all. <laughs> like, no, you can't because and you I'm, won't. And you won't let me have a fucking boat that needs a trailer, that needs a truck, that needs a garage, that needs a house either. <laughs> yeah, she, 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 she fucking stand up paddleboard. Are you kidding me? <laughs> she implied that she wanted a motorboat, and I was like, oh, that looks fun. I was like, let's do the math. <laughs> what does it take to own a boat? And then by the time we were done, it was like, you've literally got 30 minutes once a month, maybe on a three-day week- weekend to enjoy the thing that you're paying for. She's like, fine, we can just go stand up paddleboard. <laughs> like, it's so awesome. Uh, but, like, oh my gosh. It, it backfired on me. Oh, no. My son, more than anything else in the world, wanted a frog. That was, oh. a frog was 
the Holy Grail. Some fast twitch shit right there. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and my son is incredible. It astounds me what he's capable of and, and what he can do. And so my wife and I challenged him and said, all right, it, learn everything there is to know about frogs. If you can tell us how to take care of a frog, mm. we'll consider it. Fair enough. Two YouTube, days later, YouTube, he was oh, given yeah. like the Latin names of all the different <laughs> species. And this is the, why a frog is different than a toad and this is how often they eat. And these are the diseases that we have to be careful of, this is the temperature we need to keep them at. And then the experts say this, but from my understanding of physics, I think the heat lamp is probably causing too much convection in the cage. And like, <laughs> my, my son is six. Holy shit. <laughs> so at that point, you're like, all right, man, you you get a frog. You get two frogs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and, yeah and, you get a combo and, frog because we can secrete that and use it for anti-inflammatory effect. Exactly. And you get a Sonoran tree frog because who doesn't want to smoke 5-MeO-DMT <laughs> with your kid in the room? Like, oh, that, I don't think that's a backfire. Like that is the that is what you're looking right, for, that's, right? That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. But now you have to have a fucking frog in your house, <laughs> that, which does suck. <laughs> On and the that, contrary, London wanted a rabbit last week. Okay. She was like, oh, this bunny, it just it, it just comes to, it cuddles with me. It's the cutest thing ever. And I was like, rabbits are fucking pointless. Like, that's a shit animal to have. They just shit and bang. That's all, like, they provide nothing else other than that's fur for a hat. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, how the fuck? In a similar situation, I was like, how can I not do this? And I couldn't think of a way because she's clever that I was like, no, the answer is just no. But when she should, so Aaron just said like, no, we're not getting a rabbit because I don't want to take care of a fucking rabbit and Lambert will probably eat it. And so she came back and she's I like, was like, if Lambert doesn't eat it, <laughs> yeah, well, she got back <laughs> and I decided another predator in the that's building. not good enough. I don't want her to ask for another animal. So when she came back, um, I was like, where's your rabbit? And she's like, what? And I was like, you didn't bring your rabbit with you? And she's like, no. And I was like, your mom didn't tell you that I wanted you to bring the rabbit home? She's like, no. What? And she started freaking out. I was like, I'm just joking. You can't have a fucking rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> just like crush. crush. Oh bring God. the hopes up and then crush them so you know what it's like to be at my house. <laughs> We're not that mean, but yeah. it was pretty close to that. That's, that's better than buying the rabbit and then, all right, now snap its neck. <laughs> It's like an Aussie We're going to eat it for thing. dinner, yeah. yeah. One of, what does rabbit taste like? Uh, <laughs> but in, in managing expectations, yeah. my thought was, man, the frog is going to make the house smell terrible. We're yeah. gonna, my, the wife and I are going to have to take care of it. It's actually been, it's awesome. We love having the frog. Oh, are you serious? Because it, What's its name? Um, Mrs. Poe is... Because okay, we got two frogs. Because <laughs> we have two. Mrs. Poe, who is my daughter's kindergarten teacher. Uh, so she made such an impact on my daughter. She named the frog after her. and Patrick, who my son has named everything he has ever named is named Patrick. Wow. <laughs> uh, so Patrick and Miss Poe are now members of the family. And uh, it's awesome because it brings us together. Yeah. All four of us now, we, we tend we, to the frogs. <laughs> yeah, we tend to, but I think it's a great lesson. We, because it's not like a dog where you just give dog food, yeah. we have to go and get crickets which we either find or go and buy. But then we have to raise the crickets. Hard. And then feed the crickets to the frogs. So yeah. uh, You're growing a tree to make a bone arrow kind ex of shit. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what you're doing. There's a process to it. And there's also a, a, a circle of life element yeah. of yeah. We, you are raising these lambs for the slaughter. Yeah. 
Uh, and you get to watch the sacrifice happen. Exactly. <laughs> and so, you get to watch Patrick grow big and strong. I don't. Diet of I'm dead. sure it's subtle. And my son is, yeah. is way smarter than me. So maybe he already gets it. But there's a element of there is sacrifice involved in growth. Mm-hmm. You have to pay a penalty for yes. whatever you want to gain. And that lesson is being taught whether it's apparent to him or not. Uh, so it, it, despite my expectations, has actually been yeah uh, wonderful to have that part of the family. So That's my son, awesome. as always, is is way smarter than me and knows and, exactly what he's talking about. And as you said, about. he's going to teach you way more than right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The the lessons from from quote unquote less intelligent things are profoundly meaningful, especially if you're a thinker and you overthink and you've thought about stuff. You always assume that you know. Because it, you spend so much time thinking about it. How could you not? <laughs> How did I right. miss that? And right. then it takes a child to look at something and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm not a child. I don't look at the world like that. How obvious, like we miss obvious things. And and same thing with raising dogs or like we, we talked about on the last episode, horses. It's like how they view the world is mind blowing. It's just like there's nothing that's more in the moment than that. They just live in. That's the only thing that they're afforded is to make assumptions in the now. You're an enemy. You're an enemy. Now you're okay. Now you're now you're an enemy. Now you're an enemy. I need to run. I need to run. I'm okay. I can chill out. Like it's <laughs> everything is just so in the moment that it. The only way to interact with them is to then be in the moment. But you can't do it if you try because then you're trying, and if you're trying, you're living in the future. Right. <laughs> Super bizarre. With uh, with my daughter. So my daughter is three and her experience with the frogs is they're cool because her big brother thinks they're cool. So (laughs) now they're cool to her, but we take them out of the cage or the terrarium to Mm. use the proper vernacular. And one of them jumped on her. And so most of my career is spent trying to induce stress and people that stress does not affect, you know, I'm trying to figure out guys that run into bullets and jump out of planes how do I get them to be scared of something so I can play with their hormone systems and how their brain processes information? So I do things like drown them or mm-hmm. uh, fight them or, or mm-hmm. do whatever else. For my daughter, the most horrifically stressful thing she can imagine is a frog jumping on her. And in the proudest father moment I had, the frog jumps and she looks at me and you can see the panic appear and disappear mm. and she takes a breath and she says daddy you say i should breathe oh fuck and yeah you know, it brings yeah. tears to my yeah, eyes like, like i've this is a lesson oh, i'm trying to teach my. the elite people yeah. of the, of, of yeah. the country and my three-year-old daughter gets it out of the mouth of babes yeah and because of that frog that's fucking nuts that's super weird i mean we're still we're still trying to figure out how to teach people during panic situations. Fully grown ad- adults don't know how to attend to their breath and change their own state. And that that thing is probably the most alarming. Um, and maybe I got bad at doing that for a long time because you get grown up and you make assumptions about the world and then you get going down a road and then you, you literally forget how to interact with your own body and you let the environment influence you as opposed to you influencing the environment. But when it comes back down to it, it's always like, if you can't change your state, then you can change nothing. And so if you're panicking and you can't get out of that, you are fucking hopeless like, <laughs> and useless. And therefore, how do you do it? 
well, you attend to your breath. And uh, Yuval Harari was on a podcast. I don't know if you have you read some of his stuff. I have not, um, but I will now. He's fucking great. Uh, he's a historian, but it, it seems like he's much more than that. Um, he's a, a very insightful human being. So he wrote Homo Deus and Sapiens was like his big uh, bestseller. And on this really f- fucking bullshit podcast that kind of missed his level. Like they were just like, and why did you write the book? Like just like <laughs> <laughs> really, really basic shit. Because I couldn't not. <laughs> yeah, like, and, and, you know, pulling the little tidbits like, you know, oh, that's great. I'm going to, you know, meditate for this long a day because that helps you do whatever. Uh, when the guy really isn't referencing that. And he's like, what's the best advice you've ever heard? And he was like, pay attention to your breath. And he's like, what's the worst advice you've ever heard? He goes, follow your heart. <laughs> and I was like, oh, <laughs> fuck. And no explanation. Like, just left the it right there. The best advice I've ever heard? Not to answer people <laughs> who ask me what the best advice I've ever yeah, heard is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah super insightful guy. And at that level, like the level that he's thinking at, I mean, fuck if he's still trying to figure out how to pay attention to his breath. And he is light years ahead of me in every realm possible. What the fuck am I doing thinking that there's anything else? Right. Like, that is the thing. Yeah. He's pointing to it. The, the smartest people in the world are like, pay attention to your breath. And everybody else is like, what's the 12 hacks to get into Silicon Valley? And what can I rub on my face that'll make me 10 years younger? Wake up at 430. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just like. There's they, only one hack to get to Silicon Valley. <laughs> Wake up at four thirty, and and if you look historically, that like the amount that people talk about your breath, and what that entails, and how hard it is to do, and how to focus on it, and how to like get it better and deeper and stronger, and how to get it to elicit different states in yourself. Fuck, maybe that's a thing that you should pay attention to. I'm not saying you have to sit in a fucking room and cross your legs and burn incense or something, but. If you're just sitting somewhere and you're like fumbling for your phone, maybe you should like that should be the trigger to yeah, do like, something other than fumble for your fucking phone. And that, that's kind of what I've used that as that that like knee jerk reaction to be like, what time is it? And then I wonder what's going on on this email or like whenever that happens when it's a pointless thing, I've tried to like okay take the ten seconds that I would have just wasted looking at my phone and just like follow two breaths if I can and it's not much like it really doesn't do much but just the inattention to like you know don't do that stupid fucking monkey trick that everybody does which is man I'm uncomfortable and bored press press the button get the treat press the button get the treat (laughs) I mean that's all you're fucking doing yeah Yeah. except folks you're scrolling and by pressing the button you're giving other people treats (laughs) (laughs) and so what I found is like after after about six months of that about just like, I mean, let's say in total, um, throughout a day, maybe I get 30 seconds where, you know, besides normal like practice of I'm running, so I'm focusing on my breath or I'm riding a bike or whatever. Let's say it's 30 seconds a day. And over the course of six months, whatever that ends up being, it's a couple, like it ends up being an hour or something by the end of the year, whatever the math is. You're the math guy. Two, uh, two hours. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Boom. Nailed it. <laughs> so it ends up being that. So it's two hours of my life where I was doing the thing that a lot of people have told me to do. 
that I wouldn't have done necessarily. But it has gone deeper than that because you start to see where else I can plug that thing in. But wait, what about the algorithm, man? <laughs> well, that's you're, there. You're, you're, you're hacking the algorithm. I am. I am hacking. <laughs> I'm sorry. Fuck, I am hacking. <laughs> Not really because I just, I notice now, now I try to do it when I would normally respond in a way that I don't want to respond to things. So if somebody cuts me off in traffic or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And now, so I've just become a fucking trainable animal because when somebody does something that is negative to me, I've turned it into a positive reaction. And the the outcome to that has shifted drastically how I view the world. So now when somebody cuts me off, I almost smile. I'm like, oh, that guy's in a hurry. I better get out of his way. And it gives me... That like, guy's going to cure cancer right now. Yeah. It gives me 10 seconds to really like calm down and be like, thank you for that. Like, thank you, kind sir, for cutting me off and right. you know making me check, like make sure that I'm paying attention to my brake system. So here's, um, <laughs> here's, here's another way to address that situation. So you get cut off, you have the negative reaction. Mm -hmm. Like how do you respond? How do you, how do you modify the behavior? Like, cause I'm trying to change the fact that it's a negative reaction. Every time you come up with a negative reaction, turn the fucking AC off. Ooh. Now you got some shit to pay attention to. (laughs) Mark's white condition right there. It's like every, no, no, I keep a fucking chain with just coiled barbs on it. And I just do it old school Catholic style. (laughs) No, 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 no. But but now I'm like, okay, now it's really hot in here. I guess if I just mellow out, I can, it'll be cool again. It is. (laughs) That's one way to do it. I figure the other one takes way less energy. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's far less complicated and, you know, I think there's, there's a, a there's a deeper conversation you can mm-hmm. get to when you when you start looking at your breath. So mm-hmm. it's very difficult to be your breath mm-hmm. and and just focus on nothing but that. Respiration is a chemical process. Breathing is a psychological mm-hmm. event. You breathe based on whatever psychosis is fucking you up at the moment. Yeah, and so. When you're paying attention, I, I like to tell people, if you can't go down the Zen path of nothingness and, and just allowing the breath to be, well, at least tr- let's explore the path of why were you breathing so dysfunctionally? Is it a mechanical thing where the muscles were locked up? Can we fix that? Is it a psychological thing? Are you so stressed about a decision you have to make or an event that happened that is causing you to take panic breaths? Because if you are, that's probably something you need to deal with rather than push off and allow it to continue to affect your physiology. So I'm all for people who can zen out and get mm. so into in tune to the moment that their breath is all that is. Short of that, let's figure out why were you breathing so incorrectly to begin with. Because my head was tilted forward and it was closing <laughs> down my throat and I didn't feel like I was getting enough air. So I thought I'd have to just increase the rate of respiration because right. I depth was all fucked up. Yeah. I had <laughs> a ball gag sucking. in and so I was <laughs> practicing my nasal breathing <laughs> like, yeah. I do. like I do. <laughs> like I yeah. do. Yeah. It is. Uh, yeah. I guess that's a, an interesting way to look at it because I've, I've always thought it was a psychological attention thing. Like you, you need to attune to it. But like anything else, it is an environmental thing. And I, uh, maybe that was one of the deep-seated lessons I learned uh, with meditation was, um, and you could 
try that if you've ever had like some um formal meditative practices and if somebody's sitting incorrectly they're having the shifting they're antsy that this that that they're, they're whatever our human instinct is to go hey like let me give you some information and that should help you that is the complete <laughs> opposite thing that helps a voice is the wrong thing the wrong tool the thing that provides the lesson is a reflection of what works so instead of vocalizing hey you're crouched over or you know you're uncomfortable because of this or that or the other you provide a pure example of what it looks like to be comfortable and sit like that and provide deep breathing or or whatever the the meditative state is and that's an environmental cue it's not a it's teaching lesson behavioral entrainment I yeah guess you're you're, you're changing their environment <laughs> right for them so that they can uh, i guess adopt that so i never i never really thought about it like that but that makes sense that's a that's a good it's a good tidbit <laughs> i got two yeah <laughs> <laughs> you, you got you got them both now I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, damn it i've got a bunch from the week, from the weekend uh yeah i and i i've played a, a little bit with the the physiological stuff too and i have some ideas that i'm going to try out and I'll, I'll, I'll throw them at you later when i see make sure that they work or do right, whatever yeah. way to bring it back to fitness yeah, we're the world's worst <laughs> fitness podcast, so we have to <laughs> round out by continuing to be bad to at be it. bad at fitness and, <laughs> and not really offering any useful. Actually, <laughs> this isn't useful. Oh, okay. But you know, we've we've joked at our own expense mm-hmm. about show notes and shit like that. Yeah. So by simultaneously posting the Bolivia podcast. Mm-hmm. Episode seventy-seven for those of you who missed it. Mm-hmm. It's short, you, easy to miss. Um, with the essay and the gallery on the website, it's mm-hmm. almost like there were fucking show notes. Yes, kind of explaining about how the story and the this and the yeah, that. Yeah, I noticed that. It was clever. Yeah, it was kind of. Yeah, I know it's never going to happen again. It was really it was useful. Totally accident. <laughs> okay, I, I read. I read it this morning as soon as it was done, and I was like, "Ooh, tasty." But I haven't yet heard the episode. Okay. Because I was not present for that. Yeah. Does that mean you're going to have to take some erotic pictures of me to post along with this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we'll save that for next time. Yeah. Those were taken. You were unaware. Yeah, exactly. That's a, yeah, that's you were. Good. We took those at 429 before you woke up. <laughs> it's a good thing I'm perpetually erotic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have sustained eroticism just emanating from my essence. That would be a great perfume. <laughs> perfume name yeah yeah it was there was, there was called sustained opium. eroticism <laughs> sustained eroticism yeah. it's called opium that was a terrible fragrance by the way <laughs> it isn't as bad as chanel number no. five but close to because chanel number no. five is like grandma grandma dying yeah like that's like were, that's what you get what they put on the body at the viewing they, well no that's what they <laughs> like, use in Kerastase, the shampoo the super expensive french shampoo shit. is chanel number no. five they licensed it and so when i worked in this really cush cool salon i would shampoo these old ladies hair with Kerastase, and like their skin is decaying literally like i don't know how far they are from the grave but it's closer than i'm comfortable with and so you could like smell death and that gets masked with Chanel number no. five. But now I just associate Chanel number no. five with death. But see what my association with it used to be kind of the, the grandma thing. But now it's with um, uh, 
a, a friend of mine of these communities also who also he always he's just like yeah i always carry a bottle of chanel number five with me because when i'm when i'm down in it i can just rub a little of that on and <laughs> it all goes away <laughs> which is like i i totally believe there is a special pocket in his load carriage number five. <laughs> which i can see the opposite i can see guys carrying around a essence of death and yeah. when you're waiting in line at Walmart behind some fat lady that's yeah, complaining just like, you just like spray that <laughs> yeah, in like, well, I, let me let me remind myself of a better time when yeah. I was surrounded yeah, by, by, by that I, oh. there was a there was a fucking hilarious story of um, anytime uh, not in Walmart is a better time <laughs> exactly so you could just spray the essence of anything <laughs> that's not Walmart um, centric um but Conrad Anchor, he had this whole thing. Like he'd go away, he's going away on an ex- climbing expedition. He's like, yeah, I would always tear the perfume ads out of the in-flight magazines so that I could stuff them in my sleeping bag. Because, you know, you go 30 fucking days without a shower on one of those routes or one of those places. You start and you're eating local and that whole yeah. thing. It's nasty. And then you just like fluff your sleeping bag a little bit. And that, you know, even the... And I was like, Conrad, that is fucking... Here's your yes. moment of zen. Here's yeah. your moment of zen. <laughs> Breathe that. You know? <laughs> it's like, I'm just like, yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm shitting in Ziplocs and, uh, you know, huffing yeah, perfume ads from my fucking well, sleeping bag. You guys are always trying to find ways to induce stress in the gym. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've never seen malodorants be used, but I think it would be powerful. Yeah, I face that too much in jujitsu, so I like don't <laughs> want to mix worlds. <laughs> like, there's just always the guy where oh, you're like, God. oh, you only own one gi. <laughs> yeah. That's it. And you train seven times a week. Like I was that guy, so. <laughs> okay. It's like, so what, what? There was a story about That's Berkey what hard work bibs. smells like. Oh okay. yeah! Oh my God, <laughs> Jesus! A, a friend so, of ours came from Detroit, who will be here again, and he had did a ride with Joe. So he got like, for I guess for the first time, he had like actual kit, like bibs, like bib jersey, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, appropriate because we're kind of we we pay the piper for style, and so if you don't like do what the doers do, then don't bother kind of deal so i think he he felt that yeah and wasn't about to show up in like a flannel and cut off jeans although that would be appreciated because you can either you can either like say fuck you and do the opposite or you do likewise right um go and do likewise yeah (laughs) so um he he did this ride and then because man they're so sweaty it was so hot and he was only going to do one ride he shoved them in a plastic bag this is a big no-no for anybody who's ever dealt with sweaty clothes. Um, and he put them upstairs, which was no less than like 112 degrees. <laughs> it's like the perfect incubator. Yeah. And then uh, our other friend Keegan was here and he wanted to do an indoor ride with him in Berkey after three days up in the oven basking. That's how Ebola got made. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that we made it up there. Yeah. Apparently he was just like, Oh, I'll ride with you. And Keegan was like, right on. And so Berkey ran upstairs to change. And I think before he even got down the stairs, Keegan was like, what in the fuck? (laughs) He was like, are you fucking serious? And then they continued for the hour and Keegan just had to deal with it. And I was over in the corner, and I saw I came over, and I was like, something just hit me in the mouth. Like a, a scent. Like, I couldn't even describe it. But if I were to try, it would be like if onion mated with a baby diaper. And 
and then you know cross-pollinated with that you know what durian is i don't so durian is like oh you crack one of those and, <laughs> it's like yeah. a is a thai fruit that is illegal uh, yeah. to open in public because <laughs> it smells so bad it's like it'd be like one of those <laughs> so Endless. when you've been on a route in the himalayas for uh let's just I'm just going to, the longest I was ever, you know, in one set of clothes on one route was 11 straight days. Oh. Um, but, you know, you learn the value of the one-piece suit early on because, you know, it's, it's, a clo- it's a closed, you know, you don't have two segregated top and bottom mm-hmm. type systems. You know, everything's all just enclosed. But later, you know, after you've not been eating enough because you can't carry enough to eat enough, and mm-hmm. so your body's kind of cannibalizing itself, and maybe oh, you've yeah. had some stomach issues related <laughs> to freeze-dried food, multiple days of it, and that kind of thing, and so maybe there's some gas, and maybe there's some <laughs> sharting, and that kind of stuff, and then every now and then you get a little scared, you kind of piss yourself, and all that stuff <laughs> is incubating in the one-piece suit, and as you move, there's kind of a bellows effect. And it, and that bellows effect, the, uh, the, the exit collar? point is out the fucking collar. Uh, <laughs> and it is, it, at times you're just like, I can't be near my, how, how are we going to share our one and a half man tent again? You know, like, uh, pretty, pretty vile. But, um, but if you get to live, then that's, then, then nothing is too vile. Um, I did on the tail end of one of those trips though, um, Hadn't seen my girlfriend for a long time. And uh, one of the guys who was leaving um, base camp, uh, he's like, yeah, I'm going through, uh, going through Europe on the way home. I'll stop and shower and see, see some friends or whatever. And so I'm like, oh, man, my girlfriend, you know, she's, she always liked to sleep with one of my T-shirts or whatever, you know, when I was gone. And so, so I do the Berkey thing. <laughs> I put a t-shirt that I'd had with me for a little bit in a fucking Ziploc and it takes a, a while to get out <laughs> all the way back to Beijing, get on the plane, you know, the transits, this, that, the oh. other thing. So it's like a couple of weeks before the bag arrives at its destination. Apparently it was not appreciated. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't that sweet pheromone that God, no, it, Mark, was the, it was like, Get the fuck out of my apartment. It's this like lighter fluid and a fucking book of matches <laughs> is what the cure is for this. That the smell yeah, the the smell thing should be looked into, although fuck, I just I'm not a good smeller. Like Aaron smells everything. Like yeah. if I think milk is bad, I just throw it out. There's no reason for me Oh what okay, <laughs> the other day, the half and half. Yeah, yeah, yeah had been not not been opened yeah, yeah. so the the seal hadn't been broken expiration date january 2019 or some <laughs> shit like that january 25th 2019 i was like there's no way is that is that number wrong no that is it a, no, it's a i one. don't need to open this to verify i think it would have like it, melted like it would <laughs> something bad would have happened but Aaron was tempted because she smells everything. And then she's like, oh, God, that's so gross. And I'm like, well, why did you smell it? Like, you know it's going to be bad. Yeah. She's like, I have to. It's like an impulse. Like, it's compulsiveness. My um, <laughs> automatic sort of gag, re- like, vomit <laughs> reflex to those smells is too strong. I just know. Like, don't, no, don't, don't sniff that. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. That's pretty bad. 
Have we reached it by talking about bad odors? Have we reached the point of no return? <laughs> I, <laughs> there's no coming back from this. I know there, you know, there might be, but... Yeah, I, th- I think that's... Um, I was trying to think of a, a mal-odor story that could top sharding yourself to the top of Everest. That's not... I'm not going to one-up that. <laughs> yeah. I guess it, it, it helps that it was cold. Yeah. This is yeah. the only saving grace. Yeah. yeah. Cold air. I was on Olympic Mons on Mars. Yeah. <laughs> it was 300 degrees. <laughs> and I'll tell you, you sweat like a crazy person at 300 degrees. <laughs> Celsius. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> so you were boiling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Or just cooking a filet. It's like perfectly cooking a filet. Or is that at 800? That's at 800 degrees Celsius, I believe. They make these oh, very yeah? special grills. Oh yeah! Oh, so you must you just not, kiss it. Have you gently? It, but it cooks it perfectly because the pressure that's in the the grill it cooks a baseball fillet perfectly in four minutes. So that's that's how we started. Pressure is the key to anything. So that's it's a perfect. It could be. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, it really could. And I, I like that analogy. I forgot to mention that there was a, a similar fellow here a, a while ago that mentioned the importance of pressure. And he talked about it as in um, artifacts, like artifacts being really like, what is an artifact? And he's like, oh, it's something that's really old. And it's like, no, it's not. Stuff that's really old just goes away. It's like, it's something that survived time and pressure. It was like, and that's what's left. Like, you want to be what's left after time and pressure. You want to be an artifact. (laughs) It's like, fuck. Too clever? No. (laughs) I'm just like, fuck. Mm. Guess well, I can't say that I'm there yet. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm not an artifact yet, but I'm trying. Really <laughs> but hard. I'm trying really hard. The, the pressure thing I is guess. really, it's a good thing to to notice when um, we were going back and forth on on this trip, looking at the stars and talking about you know cosmic planet, shit. Yeah, cosmic bullshit. Going back, and uh, we reached a really cool point where um, you know we we're just discussing different ideas, how they think about the you know the universe how it's weird how we're small with this that the normal like look up and be kind of blown away inspiring stuff and um i thought about it he asked me my friend josh asked me like what do you get out of like looking up if if it's there's not like the creator thing going on and i was like well there's the the reflection thing right like there's this like you know what are you in the big scheme of things and when i think about it like yeah if i don't think that there's god-given purpose or i don't think there's this predestined human do this and i think we can create purpose by being a tool i was like the the tool is that um we're the only thing that has gone through the motions of creation evolution whatever and if we have a purpose it would be to be a reflection and the only way to be a good reflection is to be appreciative of the thing. And so that, in a sense, is your tool. And tools that aren't appreciative are broken, which means they're useless. And so Wait, we that, that aren't appreciated. Or appreciative. Or, like okay. gra- showing gratitude for okay. the reflection of the whole cosmos process. Understood. Like, you know, from the very be- the, the get-go, boom, it expands. And then mass accumulates. And then those mass superheated helium stars, all the whole thing, stars start weaving energy and black holes start forming. We're talking billions now. 
and then you know the earth spawns and it's just stardust and you know chaos uh well, entropy happens and organization comes from chaos and then we have this life stuff that forms and therefore the cosmos basically spawned the only thing that could reflect on it which is a human being it's the only thing that can recognize itself in the universe and that's your only utility is to appreciate that fact and if you don't you're a broken fucking tool <laughs> and you're useless i'll i'll propose did he renounce at that in that moment no he was like that's fantastic he's like i think very similar i just think there was a different spark and i was like right on all right so i will counterpoint mm. uh the universe moves towards entropy all things mm. go except us but what if the universe in looking for a path to find entropy quicker realized if i could build an entropy machine an entropy machine <laughs> how great are human beings at creating chaos right so what what we really do as a planet is we take we take sunlight and we take pure energy and we turn it into garbage mm -hmm. uh, so this is exactly you've just described the climbing expedition yeah. <laughs> you take food you turn it into shit yeah, and maybe you get somewhere in the process <laughs> as that as our universe formed as our solar system formed the sun is not a first generation star it's mm. second generation so there there was a star in our neighborhood mm. that lived its life collapsed and ripped itself apart and in ripping itself apart in its destruction, all the elements that make up our bodies were made. And so we are made of Stardust. star stuff. So when you say we're, we're a reflection of the universe, that's literally true. We are of it, not in it. Yeah. What I think is important to talk about pressure, the same way that if you have a, a term paper and you wait two months and you don't do <laughs> shit, and then the last two days all of a sudden you become, mm. you know, Inspired? Faulkner. <laughs> right. Inspired. <laughs> Scared? <laughs> Same thing. People look at, you know, what, what guys like Elon Musk mm. or Blue or, uh, Origins are doing. Like, mm. hey, we need to look at ways potentially of getting off this planet. To me, those are the guys that are writing their term paper. Last you know, minute. The, no, they're, oh, doing, they're doing it the day, the day it was assigned. Because who knows, that might be four and a half billion years from now when our yeah. sun novas and it becomes too hot. It might be two years from now when an asteroid comes or a yeah. super volcano blows. We know that at some point we have to get off this planet, but there doesn't seem to be a lot of pressure driving anyone yeah. towards that conversation. And so- Start heating up that ocean. Yeah, some, some of the things <laughs> that we talked about in the beginning is that ability to look at what's in front of you and what's- mm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's out there. That is a thing that will happen. That yeah, that's some cosmological time. <laughs> but I'm of the, the notion, like, maybe we should get our shit together and start looking at this a little more seriously. And in, in, in that... In Before that, teacher comes around. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, and I guess in, in that reflection, the, the part two of that was um, a good reflection emulates its surroundings. And so how I explained it was like, it took me a really long time to appreciate the cosmos, to appreciate how fucking small we are, but also to, and maybe this gets into the people that aren't into panpsychism would probably be like, oh, fucking whatever. 
I'm ketogenic. I can't eat panpsychism. <laughs> <laughs> it's a thin crust. No, it's okay. <laughs> thin. It's yeah. Thin. Thin pan. Um, it is very thin here. But there's this idea that like, okay, if we're it, we're consciousness, we're this thing that you know we're the only ones like us, which is just fucking idiotic, mathematically and otherwise. Because like like you described 2D trying to explain 3D is like 3D trying to explain 4D, which is like our consciousness trying to explain consciousness that we can't understand, which is to state that if we are a living planet, I think most people would agree with that. Like our planet is living. It is producing life. Therefore, it is living. And it is only because of what the star closest to us generates energy constant energy just like this non-stop and i don't you probably have because you're a fucking weirdo like me but nasa has recorded the sound of the sun right and it has this really fucking it's this rhythm but it's not rhythm it's chaotic because it's you know all the fault lines in the star moving it's a liquid planet stochastic it's it, yeah it's constantly moving so that's probably a better word for it um, and we like to think that we come into a space in order to get people to grow or to change or to become something different and we provide that energy we hunker down and sweat next to them and move next to them and lift things and show them that there's more energy available than they think that they have they just have to bear with it and whenever I feel tired or whenever I feel like, oh, man, I just can't, like, I was running really hard, guys, and I'm producing a lot of kilojoules. I look up and I go, that fucking thing has been going for billions of years, just hunkered down, super science style, producing fucking energy around it. I can probably fucking do better. Like, I can probably <laughs> I, can, I can probably make this a little bit warmer environment. I can probably go another round. I can tell people that they can go faster. Like, if I can't do that, then I'm not a good reflection of my environment, which is trying to provide energy for growth. I think when we're trying to define hubris, I think comparing yourself to the sun is probably, <laughs> probably right up there. That's probably pretty. <laughs> which is perfect. Yeah, I mean, uh, maybe not compare. Maybe um, compare would be the like in reflection of or in compare. Yeah, I guess it would be in comparison of. Yeah, it feels really hopeless and empty. Like most people look at that as a negative thing. Like, well, you're nothing exactly. But I'm trying to be something, which is the beautiful bit of it. One, one of the beautiful things about our sun, it used to spin very fast. And as it, as because our sun is gas and not mm -hmm. liquid, it rotates uh, at different ranges. So the, the poles go slower than the equator. And because it has a magnetic field, mm -hmm. that magnetic field gets kinked and twisted. So when the sun was very young, because it was moving so fast, it produced x-rays. So mm -hmm. the earth at the distance we're at was getting baked in x-rays. Life was impossible um, because of the amount of energy being being uh, produced so what happened the the magnetic field of the sun scrapes against the interstitial solar system and it slows it down it breaks it so the sun has slowed down over time which has caused it produce a different form of energy which is the ultraviolet light and light that we see 
So life most likely had to have started elsewhere just because it was incompatible with the environment that was on the earth. And that's something that astrobiologists, mm-hmm. which I think it was like the past two years, people became astrobiologists. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but that's something people rarely bring up. The fact that, uh, and it, the evo- it was inhospitable here. Mm-hmm. Therefore, once it became hospitable and attractive to someone who could see cosmologically. So, it is yeah, more likely that life was brought here than well. There's life only one answer. Here. We're storming Area 51, right? <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> as, as, uh, didn't that already happen? Wasn't that last <laughs> week? <laughs> I think we would have heard about it if it happened. Oh, okay. But as as the sun has aged, uh, it goes through its its mm-hmm. growing pains, and that drastically influences the Earth, and. So there are times where the magnetic spots on the sun become so large, it drastically reduces the amount of energy, and that's when you get ice ages. Mm. Uh, And those ice ages came down, created a glacier that carved the mountain that I had to either climb or not climb today. Exactly. So the sun is fucking with me. (laughs) Geological (laughs) time. (laughs) But there was a time uh, in our history when uh, humans were on the planet and when it's called a modern minimum, this time when the, the magnetic spots uh, condense and there are more of them than normal. So it decreases the amount of energy. So you have this mini ice age. What's interesting about that is the people that survived that ice age were able to process sugars in a much more efficient way mm-hmm. than most people. Hmm. And so if you look at who is most susceptible to diabetes, especially type two diabetes, mm-hmm. um, it tends to be people from Northern no. Europe because those were the people who had to survive the ice age. If you look at one step further, people had to survive the bubonic plague. Those were people who had to uh, allow a certain level of blood pressure and a certain level of cardiac output. So all those people that are getting heart disease today and diabetes today are the people who survived the ice age and the bubonic plague. Um, So the sun and its history have influenced how we have evolved and cause some of the problems that we have today. Uh, and so the every solution ends up becoming a future problem. And so our sun is not done with us. It, it definitely will generate some new and exciting ones. Uh, and I think we're doing our best to help it maybe in, in some aspects. <laughs> yeah, for sure, I was like, <laughs> I, I just want to know like the, the solar flare that caused Kim Jong Un, or like, <laughs> <laughs> so how those solar flares happen when the magnetic field is going around at different rates, it kinks, uh-huh. and then eventually the pressure of the energy buildup inside that kink bursts, kink. Yeah. and that burst is what causes oh, a solar shit. flare. Fucking uh, hell! But I think what uh, the next major conflict that will happen will be how we steal energy from the sun mm-hmm. in a much more efficient manner. So by encapsulating it, right? Yeah. If I were, Star power. If I were king for a day, you'd build a giant solar cell up yeah. in space and you'd beam microwaves of energy back down to the earth and you'd literally rob the sun of its energy and, and pour it into. I think the, the proposed method now for, and I forgot the, uh, the, the star generator that have a, a term for encapsulating a star as a generator would be, um, nanotechnology or replicative robots that are in space already that are able to duplicate solar shields and then you start building loops around the sun and that 
transporting energy that way. Uh, and it's like, that sounds really fucked up. Like the, the distance that you would need is like three trillion of these panels or whatever that would be the size of whatever. And apparently to get the resources, we could mine Mars for it. Like it, somebody has worked it out on how to build a star generator theoretically and it's not that far off from doable there's like a couple kinks that you'd have to work through and then you could generate you'd have Mars. a pure star them, generator or? yeah well yeah you you would have a mining solution but essentially you're building robots that could build old other robots atom uh, yeah cellular yeah. automata so it, it like duplicates itself so you need that in place um, and then you're just looking for mineral deposits is how I understand it. When I read it, I was like, are you out of your fucking mind? Those people are working hard mm-hmm. to work smart. You would just create that same thing and build a gravity well closer and pull all that energy <laughs> to you. So you don't have to make that enormous trip. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think... On that note, <laughs> I'm going to play this as our, our exit. Okay. But I want you to come back and hang out more. <laughs> Do you, Me are, too, Are actually. you present mm-hmm. anywhere online or are you just... No, I'm... <laughs> Explicitly. I am. Yes. You, know, you just yeah. are. Yeah. So we'll leave that um, and we'll just let people guess. But thank you so much for coming. Like this... Anytime, you're more than welcome. We have a room upstairs. You're totally welcome to crash I'll, here. I'll bring my gym shorts it's, and yeah, put yeah, them in a plastic bag. The plastic bag. Yeah. yeah, we don't provide the plastic bag, but um. yeah, yeah, we've got whatever we have. You're totally welcome to. It's it a truly honor. It's been an honor to be here, and just just being able to work out with you guys was awesome. So, I really appreciate the opportunity. Well, thank you thank for you. sharing, and, and thank you for spending the time. Yeah, thank you very much. So, this is the sound of the sun. sounds like that. <laughs> elements a tool if, if instead of guitars they played lightsabers yeah <laughs> yeah it does sound like yeah darth vader action going on awesome on that note next time awesome Until thank you very time. much thanks <laughs>